Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another installment of the Batter Round coming to you from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Joining me, as always, is my extraordinarily talented co-host, Zach Goodman. Zach, how are you today, man? I'm good, Paul. You ready for that uh, snow this week? Dude, no. No. No, 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 no. No. I missed 13 days of work. I just got back to work. I had a full work week, and now what am I going to miss? Two or three days because of this? Because like it, It's minimum. It's looking like a minimum of eight inches. Of yeah, snow, it's, it's a, a, a max of sixteen. It's oh man. So we had to miss Christmas with Laura's family because of COVID. Laura's, for those of you who don't know, my my fiance is a frontline worker. She is a respiratory ther- therapist, and she has been very careful with this whole pandemic. She refused to leave the house after Halloween. Um, very tenacious about keeping this thing under control as best as she can doing her part. So we finally had the opportunity to go spend Christmas with her mom on January 17th. She got the second half of the vaccine the week before, Laura did, and sure enough, I come down with COVID. So then we had to cancel our mid-January Christmas. Now we're finally about to go to her mom's house this Sunday for Christmas, and guess what? We have a 14-inch snowstorm coming. So, you know, we're going to go. I just got a new Jeep. I just got a new Jeep. I'm telling the world because I'm so excited about it. I haven't it. even seen it yet. Yeah, it's, it's parked right next to your car. When you leave, you'll oh, see it. All right. I got to see it. I um I got a 2017 Compass uh, Jeep Compass Trailhawk, and I um it can go and it can drive in the snow. It can drive in mud, sand, rocks. It actually has all these different settings for it. It's really cool. So I'm actually excited to try it out in the snow tomorrow. We told her, Mom, don't worry. We'll be there for Christmas on January 31st uh, because Paul got a Jeep, and we can make it over. So it's it works out. I can't believe it's, it's I timely. I can't believe I just spent the first two minutes of this show talking about my Jeep and the snow when we have so much baseball to talk about with everybody. Jeep banter coming up at uh, eleven thirty-five. Hey, uh, <laughs> yes, Jeep banter at eleven thirty-five. It started at ten oh one. All right, so uh, spring training is scheduled to start in seventeen days. Opening day supposed to be in sixty-one days. Um, Orioles equipment equipment trucks have already uh, made their trek to Sarasota, um, but MLB is still not given a timeline uh, that they potentially have in mind for this season. Should it be pushed back? Teams are operating under the assumption that everything is going off as scheduled. Uh, Zach, do you have any input to this? At this point, with less than with, with basically two and a half weeks until uh, teams are supposed to start reporting to spring training. It would kind of seem foolish to have not made an announcement if you were planning on pushing things back. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I would assume. I, I think everyone was kind of thinking this whole offseason that we'd hear something by this point if there was going to be a change. There still could be. There could be some surge in the United States that really pushes this thing back, but... I think as of right now, I think everything will start on time. Now, we have to see what happens in spring training. Obviously, there could be an outbreak in Florida, outbreak in Arizona. I know in those states, it's the, the COVID outbreaks are worse than they are in Maryland. So it's going to be a little tougher to hold these large spring training camps there. But it's, it's really going to come down to whether you know this thing gets worse. And if it does... It might not start on time, but I think everyone should be really thinking that it will, and I'm 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 really hopeful of that. Yeah, 
I would imagine that it would uh that at this point it's got to go it's got to go off on yeah. time. That doesn't mean the season's going to start on time. We already know the minor league season has been pushed back because of the fact that um, low A and double A teams can't go to spring training until after major league and triple A players have left. So we're talking the beginning of April before those teams before those minor league players even start ramping things up. So that's going to get pushed back. We're hoping to get a semblance of a regular. 162-game baseball season. Maybe you play 140 games. Maybe you play 120 games. Maybe you play 162. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, right now, it seems like everything is going off as scheduled, though. So that's that's always nice to see. Now, the new top 100 prospects list just came out the other day, and the Orioles are well-represented. Uh, number two overall prospect, Adley Rutschman. Number 27, Grayson Rodriguez. Number 69, Heston Kerstad. Number 70, D.L. Hall. And I believe, is Mountcastle 76 or is he 77? 77. Number 77, Ryan Mountcastle. The Orioles have five players in in the top 100 right now. Um, Were you at all surprised to not see Gunnar Henderson on that list? Well, we had Jonathan Mayo on a couple months ago now. We asked him about that. He said Gunnar Henderson was very close. I think if they did a 115 top prospects, he'd probably be there you know, somewhere around that 115 mark. But this is a guy who's still so young. I believe he's 19 years old. He's going to make a lot of strides. So I think in the next year or so, maybe it's even the midseason list when that comes out and maybe he's had a little bit of time to show off in Aberdeen or Delmarva, wherever he is, what he can do, he'll move up into that top 100. He really just hasn't had much experience. He's played in the GCL and that's it. You know, he, right. he, he did play at the Bowie camp this summer, but there's no real track record for Gunnar Henderson at all. And that's probably why they can't really put him that highly you know, as only a second-round pick. So I think he'll be there soon. I'm a little bit surprised he wasn't there now, but I think by midseason he'll be there. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, and I also think, and, and, and again, it's because, like you said, he only played in the, in the Gulf Coast League, and it was a Gulf Coast League that, got, that was ended prematurely because of Hurricane Dorian. So it's not like he has a ton of exposure. No, not everybody's seen him play. He hasn't even played at a true minor league affiliate just yet. And it's up to him. Right, it's up to him to go out there and perform. If he goes out there and perform, he's going to be on every list in the country. Right. I also think the same thing for Jordan Westberg and maybe yep. even maybe even Hudson Haskin, who has a ton of talent. Um, so the Orioles well represented, and they probably have some prospects that are on the cusp that aren't quite there yet, just because of a lack of exposure in the last year because of this pandemic. Now another big deal for the Orioles. Oh, before we get to that, Jason Stark put out his top 100 a couple a day or two before. Um, the MLB, he did it for the athletic and he had Heston Kerstad, uh, like down like near 70 or something like that. But he had Grayson Rodriguez at like 69. Wow. He had DL Hall ranked ahead of Grayson Rodriguez and he had Adley Rutschman like seventh, Wow, like seventh or eighth. And, and I'm looking at this list and and like, look, I I don't know about a lot of these other players. You you know, the big names like Wander Franco, right? But you don't know about these other players. But I'm just, and he didn't have Ryan Mountcastle ranked at all. And I'm looking at his list, and I'm like, and it's the same thing we've been hearing from Jason Stark about Grayson Rodriguez since he was drafted by the Orioles. You know, he's got a good arm, but he's got a wonky delivery that I don't think is repeatable. He's the only person in the country that doesn't think that Grayson Rodriguez is going to be a true ace. He's literally listed as one of the top ten right-handed pitching prospects, and everybody thinks he's going to be an ace. But Jason Stark says he needs to. Combat, uh, what is it? Compact his delivery so that he can reach his true number two ceiling. 
Well, wasn't this all Keith Law? I thought it was Keith Law. Oh, was Law. it Keith Law? Yeah, I, I think this was the list you're referencing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know why I always get Jason Stark and Keith Law mixed up. It makes more sense that it's Keith Law because Keith Law is always hating on the Orioles. Yeah, I heard a rumor once that uh, Dan Duquette denied him of a job or something like that with the Orioles. So maybe there's you know some kind of thing that's going on there with, with a, uh, a grudge against the Orioles. But I don't know. He, I'm sure he's, he's trying his best to be... Completely objective. Apologies to Jason Stark. I, literally for years, I've I've mixed the two of them up. I don't know why. I used to do the same thing with um, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen in oh, yeah. the NFL. I used to mix those two guys up. I, I I don't know why. I just did. But anyway, so uh, Keith Law, um, not not as high as on, on Orioles prospects as apparently the rest of the country is. But moving on to more important things, Orioles. They finally got their shortstop. They signed Freddie Galvis to a one-year, $1.5 million deal. He'll receive an additional $250,000 if he is traded during this season. Last year, he slashed 220-308-404 with uh, seven home runs in 47 games. A far cry from what he did in 2019 between Toronto and Cincinnati, where he slashed 260, 296, 438 with 23 homers, 28 doubles, and 70 RBIs in 147 games. Two 20 homer seasons in his career. He uh, led NL shortstops in fielding percentage three straight years from 2016 to 2018. He's got a 984 career fielding percentage in nine seasons playing shortstop. But the number that sticks out to you beyond all the positives is that career OBP of 291. That just that's that's Not just great. like it's like a big neon sign saying can't get on base. His 308 on base percentage last year was the second highest of his career, only second to his 309, and I believe like 2014. In a year where he really struggled hitting the ball. Yeah. So, not great. It's, um, the OBP leaves a lot to be desired, but look, you have a very good fielding shortstop to play. Uh, next to Yolmer Sanchez, your defense up the middle is getting better. You have a young pitching staff. So, look. If Freddie Galvis is going to come in and hit 250 and hit 15 home runs, but he's going to play 985 defense at shortstop, I think I'm okay with that. I think I'm okay with that. And look, they weren't going to sign Andrelton Simmons, who signed a one-year deal with the Twins. They weren't going to sign Marcus Simeon, who signed a one-year deal with the Blue Jays. They weren't in the running for those top-of-the-line shortstops. So this was, to me, this was the next best guy that they could have gotten. You know, you, you take away the guys that don't make sense for a rebuilding ball club like the Simeons and Simmons of the world, and then you go to the next tier, and he's at the top of the next tier, right? Yeah, I, I think that he's kind of the guy we expected all along. I mean, we've been talking about maybe him or a few others like uh, Adrianza, however you say that. Or Adrianza. Yeah, so there were a few options for the Orioles that would have been a little bit cheaper. Obviously, like you said, Simmons wasn't really in the cards, but... This is a guy who just kind of makes sense for the Orioles. I, I said it before in a, one of the other shows that he's just kind of decent at everything. He doesn't really stand out in any place. Maybe his power is the only really plus thing about him, but he's just good everywhere, and he doesn't really have that many downfalls except getting on base. It, it's it's a solid signing. I would say this is probably one of the bigger free agent signings the Orioles have made in a few years. This is definitely one of the better names, one of the bigger names. So it's going to be – it fills a hole. It's going to be good for what they want him to be, and I think that's just exactly what they signed him for. They they just want him to fill the hole, maybe be a trade piece in you know September, August. So it's 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 a solid signing. It's not something to like freak out and get excited about, but it's a solid signing. Okay, so here's the thing: if he does become a trade piece, 
you trade him in July. Maybe you trade him in August between the waivers. Right. And, and, and when people have to play, when you have to put him on waivers. Right. Who then fills in? Yeah, I mean, Richie Martin looks like he's, uh, you know, not going to be. He's going to be injury prone. Looks like that. So I, you know, I'm not sure you can rely on him. Maybe you get a backup utility infielder, someone like that, that makes a little bit of sense. Well, the Orioles are in the market for a veteran utility infielder. We're going to talk about that a little bit. A guy like a guy by the name of Brock Holt is still out there. There's that still, makes sense. There's still um, a chance that we could see Hanser Alberto back here because uh, he doesn't have any. It doesn't seem as though. He has very many suitors right now. You mentioned Richie Martin, and let's talk about that for a minute. Richie Martin, and he, he played 15 games in, was it the Puerto Rican Winter League? I think it was the Puerto Rican Winter League. One of the Winter Leagues. Yeah. Uh, and he played 15 games, and then he's, he's working out, and he breaks his hammock bone, in his handmate bone in his, in his left hand. This isn't a surgery where you repair the bone. They just take it out, and then it shelves you for you know three to five weeks. Nick Markakis had the same injury um, in 2012. Uh, happened on May 31st. He missed basically the entire month of June before coming back. So this is something that it's not too invasive. They take it out, you rehab it, you come back within about a month. So Richie Martin, he he has that bone removed. The good thing is it was in his left hand, so it's his non-throwing hand, but he's not going to be on this team to start the year. Uh, the question is, was he really even going to be on this team to begin with, or is he going to start every day at Norfolk? Because that was the plan for him last year. The plan for him to start the, the year in 2020, before the pandemic, was for him to start every day at shortstop at Norfolk. Then without that, then it was, okay, now we get to carry 30 men for the first couple weeks, then 28, then 26, so maybe we're going to have him be our utility infielder. And then he breaks his wrist on that uh, pickoff throw by Austin Wins. We're going to talk about this with Dan Conley. Dan Conley wrote last year that it was a big blow for the Orioles, and he caught a lot of flack for that, but it turned out to be right because then that started the Andrew Velasquez era. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, it's, it's certainly an upgrade in Richie Martin. Yeah, so we'll talk about that later in the show with both Stan and with uh, Dan Connolly. But it's the Orioles are, are not stacked at the upper levels of the minors and at the Major League roster with middle infielders. So it remains to be seen what's going to happen. I, I, I think that more so you're likely to see Galvis stay with the team because, A, they, we've seen the penny pinching recently. They don't want to pay him $250,000 to go play for somebody else, and they don't have a, a, a clear replacement for him should they trade him at the deadline. Um, the bigger news coming out this week, the Braves reportedly kicked the tires on Trey Mancini this past week. Again, we're gonna we have a whole hour to discuss the Orioles and Major League Baseball. We have two guests. Our last guest is Dan Connolly at ten fifty. So we have a whole hour to discuss this. But the Braves kicking the tires on Trey Mancini. <clears throat> Guys, this is much ado about nothing. I don't want to get too deep into this because again, we're gonna talk about it later in the show in depth. But this is what happens. This is what what rebuilding ball clubs do. There's nobody that's really untouchable. As much as I want guys like Tanner Scott to be untouchable, nobody is untouchable if a team comes with the right deal. But the Orioles, they're not going to get blown away for Trey Mancini. He's got one year of team control left after this season. He's going to be 30 years old in 2022. They're not... Nobody's pushing right now to acquire that guy. Now, if he comes out and and looks like 2017 or 2019 Trey Mancini... Uh, in the first half of this season, and then teams are like, hey, we need this guy for a playoff push, and then we have him for next year too, then you might see something. And, you know, don't don't shoot the messenger here, but on baseball terms alone, not thinking about the guy, not thinking about what he went through, 
it makes sense from a baseball standpoint. But we'll talk about that later in the show. The re- Speaking of the rest of the show, um, we have Stan the Fan Charles uh, at 10.20. We have Dan Connolly at 10.50 from The Athletic. Orioles bantered 11.15 and our payoff pitch around the league at 11.35. Uh, we also are going to talk a little bit about how Masson, after making all those cuts, they announced last Monday that they are finally going to have a streaming service for their programming. It's kind of it's kind of a catch-22 because, yes, we finally have a streaming service. We don't have to sit on our couch and watch cable to watch the Orioles, but you do need to be subscribed to a cable provider that gives you Masson in order to sign into the streaming app. So you still need cable. You're not able to cut the cord by this streaming service. Yeah, so I guess if you're at work or you're at a restaurant, you want to watch the Orioles, something like that, it's only an in-market streaming app. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me right now. I think the Orioles would they would be smart to create a plan where you could pay you know $100 or something like that to watch the Orioles where you wouldn't need a cable subscription. That would be the smart model, and they'll probably come out with something like that. I mean, yeah. any way they can make money, they're going to do it. So that would that would be smart. And I don't know that it would be $100 because I think MLB uh, TV yeah, char- run- charges like 85 bucks. Right, so somewhere around there anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but even for the Orioles, they might charge 30 and I think that that's probably the next logical step. But this this year is more so about getting this off the ground. It should be ready by opening day. It's more so about getting this this streaming service up and running um, for 2021. And then they'll make their tweaks. And they'll make it uh, available in, outside of this market it, it, at some point. I have to imagine that that's where they're headed. Before we get your sounding off segment, do you think that this announcement was planned for when it came out? to soften the blow of cutting ties with so many renowned um, broadcasters at Masson. I would have to expect that. There's a lot of R&D that goes into the making these apps, and obviously they take a lot to, to put on. They're just expensive things to create. So I'm sure the Orioles had to allocate a little bit of their funds towards this app to make it. That could have been why some of these broadcasters would let go. I don't know if that's the case, but it could be. And it's, like you said, such a timely thing. They'd announce it right after. It kind of seems like it would soften the blow a little bit. And as far as this app goes, I would love to see them put in a chat feature where different Orioles fans could chat in the app while watching the game. I think that'd be something they could do that's really smart and spice it up a little bit. Yeah, that's certainly something. Again, this is going to be... It's like when... when Masson started airing uh, high-definition games. Yeah. And everybody's like, where's the HD channel? Where's the HD channel? And they would only air, like, half the games in high-definition. And then finally, by, like, season two or season three of it, every game was yeah. in HD. I expect a similar progression from this Masson streaming app. But it is, uh, for my fiancé, when she's at work and there's there's not a lot of downtime working in the hospital these days, but every now and again you 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 get some downtime, but they don't have a TV, so it's gonna be good for somebody like her who, when she has her downtime, she can turn the Orioles game on instead of having to you know check the internet or something like that. So it's it's good in those terms. Again, I expect some tweaking at some point to make it available to people who don't have cable, which would be nice, and I think is ultimately the whole point of it to begin with. Zach, what do you have for me in san- sounding off today? All right, we're going to talk about the Cubs today. They obviously uh, non-tendered Kyle Schwarber a few months ago. Kind of controversial thing. This is something that a lot of Cubs fans are not happy about. You know, Kyle Schwarber is a fan favorite, and he's been that for a while. He was the hero, really one of the heroes of the 2016 World Series. He hit four twelve uh, in that series, and he was really instrumental to them winning that that 16 World Series. So 
this is a guy who'd really been beloved by Cubs fans. They non-tender him. They didn't want to pay him the eight, nine, whatever they would settle on money that he was due. It was, you know, eight or nine million is pretty expensive for a guy like that. But then yesterday they went out and signed Jock Peterson to a one-year, seven million dollar deal, which, you know, that's a pretty solid deal. Jock Peterson's a good player, but if you go back and you look at the stats. In their career, between Jock Peterson and Kyle Schwarber, Schwarber's played for six seasons, Peterson for seven, Peterson's only a year older, their career batting average is the exact same, their career on base percentage is the exact same, there's a difference of only nine home runs and only a 10-point difference in slugging percentage. These are like carbon copies of each other. They're both big left-handed hitters, they have a lot of power, and they don't play great defense. They've combined last year for a 189 average and a negative .2 war, and it looked like the Cubs would try to move on from a guy like Kyle Schwarber because that's not what they're looking to do. They're not looking to get this big power bat. So they go out and sign Jock Peterson, who's basically the same player, and he's not a fan favorite. No, you know, Obviously, there's, there's no connection between him and the Cubs. For only a million dollars less, why not just keep Kyle Schwarber? It makes no sense to me. Kyle Schwarber went on to sign with the Nationals for one year, $10 million, but they could have easily paid him that $8 million in arbitration, kept the fan favorite, and pretty much the same player. It, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. It, it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense um, when, you, when you, you know, hash it out like that. They're basically the same player. Now, you don't know what happened behind the scenes. You don't know the internal conversations. Maybe Schwarber was like, hey, I want to get out of here. Maybe he sees the direction of the ball club trading where Darvish knows that Lester's not coming back, knows that Chatwood's gone. They're they're actively trying to trade Chris Bryant. He's looking at this club and he's like, you know what? I don't really want to be a part of a rebuild. Let, let's let's get out of here. So, so it sounded like to me that he didn't know he was getting out of there. It sounded like it, he was kind of surprised. He said in a quote, I was disappointed uh, to learn that. Okay. So it, it did sound like he was a little bit surprised. Well, then on that end, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And joining us now in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio is Stan the Fan. Charles, I'd love to get your take on this, Stan. First and foremost, how are you this morning? I'm, I'm fine, guys. How you doing? We're, do, we're doing well. Uh, Zach uh, makes an interesting case. I think part of it might be might be ownership and and the timing of when they needed to make a move on Schwarber, um, and they've just recently okayed a little bit extra payroll uh, money. So I don't I don't know what exactly the reasons behind that are. Maybe they they've noticed that that division is is not you know nobody was improving until the Cardinals yesterday. So that could have had something to do with it. And I've often found, and, and it's, it's, it's sort of like Rick Dempsey's contract as a player with the Orioles when his Baltimore Orioles career ended. It was like the, the opportunity to, the opportunity to, to, no, it's not actually a good example now that I think about That's it. Right. Um, but Dempsey, when he left the Orioles, he took less money, far less money than the Orioles had offered to go to Cleveland to get a new opportunity. And I smell a little bit of that, that Schwarber was a little, probably a little bit impatient and and really felt that that, that market could collapse a little bit if he didn't time his exit when he did. Yeah, the, so the, the, those could are be my those are my that. reasons. But it's very interesting to hear how similar players they are. I would also say that Peterson a much better defender. 
I'd agree than, with you on that. Than, I'd agree there, uh, too. Than Schwarber, you know. But but interesting to hear how similar they are as offensive players. Yeah, they're basically identical uh, yeah. off, offensively, yeah. which is crazy when you, when you think about it. Now, meanwhile, the Cardinals, the, the, this is... I mean, this has got to be the biggest trade of the. I mean, apologies to the Mets and Francisco Lindor. This is the biggest trade of the offseason. The Cardinals acquiring Nolan Arenado, arguably the best third baseman in the game. He's on a Hall of Fame track. They acquire him from the Rockies. What? Just two, two, three years after he signed. Two years after he signed that huge extension with the Rockies. Mm-hmm. Uh, are the Cardinals now with with he and Goldschmidt teamed up in the middle of that lineup? With uh, are they now the favorites? In the Central. I mean, the Central Division in the National well, League have four teams in the playoffs. They also signed Wainwright yesterday, who, i, I got to be honest, I'm shocked that a team that like the Astros didn't try and sign Wainwright to like a two-year, $20 million deal, you know, because Wainwright got $8 million from the Cardinals for one year. Uh, and now it's pretty obvious they will sign Yadier Molina as well. So I would say they're huge favorites to win that division right now. Yeah, the, the the Cardinals are just one of those franchises that's so well run. They seem to be in the playoffs every year. They've got eleven world championships under their belt, and it kind of seems like they're they're gearing up. You you add Olin, Nolan Arenado to that to that lineup, it puts them over the top. It, it it absolutely does. And if if Harrison Bader can become anything like what they thought he was going to be, that lineup's going to be formidable. And then the 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 rotation with uh, Luis Castillo. No, I'm sorry. That's that's the Reds. The um, the, Reds. the the, Jack, the rotation. Jack Flaherty and, uh, and Wayne Wright. Yep. That, and they're missing one guy's going to Miles. Uh, is it Miles Miklos is going to be out this year for part of the year? But yeah. They've got I, that Japanese pitcher that they got last year who was absolutely phenomenal. Until I acquired him uh, as a free agent on my fantasy team. It's all your fault. Hurt. It's uh, Kwang Hyun Kim. They have Dakota Hudson. To, uh, to Dakota pair. Hudson's the one. He's not yeah. going to pitch this year. Oh. Didn't he have Tommy John? I he, had a big, he had a big injury just before the season ended last year. That one I'm not I'm not privy to. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But I have but Zach looking at They've got Clarity. Up, they've got Wainwright. And they've got the Japanese pitcher who you mentioned yeah they're they're gonna be they're gonna be a tough team to beat although that that central division now it was in a truncated season the brewers made the playoffs at 29 and 31 but they sent four teams to the to the playoffs last year which is completely unheard of in in baseball to have four teams from the same division make the playoffs but it happened in 2020 yeah. uh, nolan arenado he that's that's a game changer for that division and no the, question the, Car- the cardinals I mean, are the that, team that's, to beat. that's as good a corner infield as as you've ever seen you know now why? You know, I go back. I'm guys. I'm old enough to remember when the Cardinals uh, picked up uh, Orlando Cepeda in I think it was 1968 between the 66 and 67 seasons, and they went on to two two World Series appearances in a row, winning the World Series in '67, losing to the Tigers after leading three three games to one. But that's the kind of deal this is for them. It really does. It, it puts them right up there with the Dodgers and the um, and the Padres. And I and I'll tell you what, I look for. It's going to be interesting to see who gets uh, Trevor Bauer. And I think it's really going to come down to two National League teams. I think it's between the Dodgers and the Mets, and both of them are probably just starting to feel a little pressure from the Mets and the Padres right now. I mean the Cardinals and the Padres, 
and I look for a, an interesting bidding uh, on Trevor Bauer over the next two weeks. You know, I, I look at that Dodgers rotation, and they don't need Trevor Bauer. No. It, 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 it's hard to say that the team doesn't need the reigning Cy Young Award winner, but the Dodgers don't need Trevor Bauer. The Mets, the Mets need Trevor Bauer, especially if Syndergaard's not going to be back to the middle of, to the middle right. of this coming summer. The Mets need tre- Trevor Bauer. You can make a case that the Cardinals need, See, need a Trevor Bauer. You guys are assuming though that Clayton Kershaw is going to be go out there and make thirty starts. You know, I'm I'm projecting that's a fifty fifty coin flip whether they get ten starts out of Kershaw. Where they get thirty starts out of Kershaw, but they yeah. are they are so deep. They they have legitimately six starters, you know, that that are that are you know top three, top third of the rotation um, starters. You look at they have Gonsolin, they have uh, Julio Urias, they have Trevor May, they have um, uh, Walker Bueller, and then Clayton Kershaw. If if Clayton Kershaw makes fifteen starts, because you know his back injury that's going to flare up again. It does every year. It has for five years. You know that that's going to be an issue. But they they have so much depth in that starting rotation that it's weird it's, to say it, but you can afford to all, lose. It's, but it's all potential depth. I mean, yeah. we don't know that Trevor May, Trevor, um, what's his name, Trevor, Trevor May. It's not. Well, who is it? Trevor May. Trevor May. Is it Trevor May? It's not Trevor May. Trevor May is the guy that the Twins had, who's going to the, um, who's going to the Mets. He's a relief pitcher, Trevor May. I might be getting his first name the wrong. The redheaded kid. We're both talking about the same guy, I know, but it's Yeah, not, yeah, we, we 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 are. We are. Um Yeah. But we're, we're talking about the same guy. His last name we're is We're talking about the same Dustin guy. May. Tremendous- Dustin May. I was trying to think of a Trevor, couldn't think of a Trevor. So yeah, it's Dustin it's, May it's, makes it's sense. Dustin May. I'm Dustin I'm, I'm May. sorry. That's right. It's Dustin May. And that's my second um, mistake today. A tremendous prospect, Gonsolin, tremendous prospect. But that's prospects. That, that's very different when you're going out and trying to win a World Series. And I think, you know, I think, you know, I think Andrew Friedman, if he's guilty of one thing, it's never spending any of their money, you know, really big money. And the Dodgers have the money to make this happen. And, of course, the Mets now with new owner uh, Stephen Cohn, a uh, multi-billionaire, uh, they have the money now to do it, too. So I think it's going to boil down to those two teams uh, on Bauer, you know. Yeah, I, 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 that seems where, where it was headed. We heard the Angels could have been in the mix, but they're 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 not. It came out this week that they're not in the mix for they Trevor Bauer. They've got so much money tied up in their in their roster right now, you know, with uh, Justin Upton and and another season of Pujols, you know. Yeah, the Pujols no- contracts, in my opinion, has been a huge albatross around their neck. For three years now, uh, it, I feel like longer. He never, never lived up to that contract. He was never the player in L.A. that he was in St. Louis. Yeah, not I, even close. Outside of the first maybe three years, yeah, first he was just two not or three there. years, he was pretty darn good. And even for another two years, he was he was still fantasy value. He put up some numbers, but boy, he is. Uh, I mean, it's terrible. That was a terrible contract. They, they terrible si- contract. but they signed the guy. Who was a batting champ? Who was a, a former batting champion? Who you know hit forty to fifty homers a year, drove in one hundred fifty runs a year, and they, yeah, got they never guy, got that fully got that play. They, not, they didn't know. get the guy that they signed up for. I don't right. think it. And then they and then they doubled down on uh, uh, Josh Hamilton, and it was a disaster. So that was a huge disaster. Yeah. Now the Orioles, 
They've made some some um, some splashes here recently. They signed Freddie Galvis to a one year deal. They had interest. Did, did we sign Josh Hamilton? <laughs> no, no. no, we didn't. Oh, no, sorry. I'm for, yeah. but maybe fortunately at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now they had interest in a here Adrianza. That was the guy that you wanted them to sign, but he signed a minor league deal with the Braves. Daniel let me Rob- let me qualify when I when you say you wanted him to sign that I wanted them to sign him. I thought Galvis, who made five million dollars last year. <laughs> I thought he was going to be in the three three million range, which I thought was going to be too much for the Orioles. If you had said to me six weeks ago, "Hey, you can get Idhiri Adrianza for one point two million dollars or Galvis for one point five, there's no question I would have preferred Galvis. I mean, he's 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 got a little bit more. Uh, he's got significant more pop. He's a guy who can hit twenty home runs. The problem with uh, with Galvis is he's going to have an on base percentage under three hundred. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of times where he's a third out of an inning with runners in scoring position. It's just going to happen that way. Yeah, Stan. In the in the Galvis press conference, one of the reporters asked, and I don't remember who it was, but they asked Galvis if he turned down any other offers, if he had any other offers, and he said he turned down multiple. Are you surprised at that? And are you is the Orioles or are the Orioles becoming a free agent destination now? Is this really a place where people want to come and play? Um, if Galvis truly turned down multiple year offers, um, I, I find that hard to believe that that's what you know. The Orioles were such an attractive playing opportunity uh, for him at thirty one years of age. I find it hard to believe that he turned multiple, you know, multiple year offers down. And, and I would not say that the Orioles are a destination spot. I think they're an opportunity spot, and there's a yeah. little bit of a difference between the two. Yeah, no, and I think that that's what Zach meant. It's an opportunity for playing time, right? You know, that's Fred, what I meant. Yeah. Freddie Galvis. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Galvis. And again, I don't know what the offers were and who they were from, but I think at this point in his career, he'd like a chance to have, uh, I think his agent did a good thing for him because he's got a chance to really play here. And if he puts up the numbers, he might buy himself a little bit more long-term money in his career right now by having a really solid season. And he does figure Let's face it, he does figure to play 120, 130 games at shortstop for the Orioles. Yeah, and, and you talked about his agent, and his agent also negotiated a 250K bonus if he's traded. So that's another thing that, yeah, that could have, another little, yeah, could have factored into him coming to, uh, coming to Baltimore. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Now, the Braves reportedly kicked the tires on Trey Mancini. Uh, you and I, we talked about this on the show a few weeks, maybe a couple, maybe a month or so ago. About the potential for Trey Mancini to be traded uh, during this season, nobody wants to trade Trey Mancini. People on social media went nuts when this news came out. The Orioles are just doing their due diligence here. Uh, uh, having, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, in in the grand scheme of things, you know, Trey Mancini's a terrific guy. He's a very good talent, and and you have the 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 sort of the, the violin strings part of, of the comeback from cancer. But the Orioles can't do business and just keep keep value 
on their roster that they, they are having a hard time affording to begin with and and double down that they can't get, can't use that commodity to to gain more talent in the organization at this point in time. You know, I think we'd all agree that we'd love Trey Mancini to be an Oriole for the next six, seven years, you know, and be a good one uh, and be part of this as it's rebuilt. But But realistically, there's probably about a 75% chance that he won't be here long-term. Yeah, I, I, I again, he's going to be 30 years old uh, next season, in, in the 2022 season. He's he's only under team team control through 2022, and th- yeah. this is a guy who, at that point, you know, maybe you have Ryan Mountcastle playing first base every day. Your outfield's probably going to be set. You have a ton of prospects in the outfield. It, it's not even a roster squeeze. It's just what's the point of having a guy who's going to be, you know, 31, 32, 33 years old taking up a huge chunk of your payroll when you finally get back into contention? And like you said, we all love Trey Mancini, but the Orioles are running a business here. They're not running a charity. So they have to look at it and say, if we can get something for Trey Mancini, maybe not this year. I, I agree. It's a terrible PR move right now. But if you get 2019 Trey Mancini through July, you you as a team, it would be irresponsible for you to not see what you can I, get for that I player. I would agree. I would agree. You know, I it, would agree. Now, the news, the news that they tried to uh, throw in some deferred money to his deal and Anthony Santander, you know, one-year contracts, I, it's unprecedented, but again, we're living in an unprecedented, uh, unprecedented time. There's never been a time that the Orioles haven't collected a dollar in fan revenue since maybe since maybe uh, August first of 2019. It's a long time to not have a revenue stream, and I guarantee you, people aren't buying uh, Oriole memberships right now at a at a at a very good clip. You know, uh, those are very tough to sell right now. Well, yeah, the, the Orioles contacted me a couple of months ago about uh, buying a, a ticket plan for 2021. And I was like, I'm not going to commit when I don't know if there's going to be fans in the stands. It's just exactly. something I'm not willing Look, to I, do. I got an email from the Ravens about a month ago now. I've, I've rolled over, um, I think about, I just made my my first payment last year of about $470 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they've been sitting with that $470. I, I had the right to call them and get it back, but I didn't. I said, let me just let it sit there and it'll be less that I have to come up with next year. And they just sent me sort of an invoice. Didn't even mention that, you know, they just said, Hey, it's time to pay your first yada da da. And I've just sat, I haven't even called, down there or anything and i'm saying to myself boy that's really chutzpah you know that we don't know whether there's gonna be fans and you're trying to get more money from me right now just not i'm not just not doing it right now yeah and and i understand where they're coming from because every every team in the country and every league in the country is doing this um at, because of what happened there's, in the there's last no year. question about it and the orioles right now stand out you know like a sore thumb for some moves like that yeah, but let me tell you something. Uh, I know somebody in the sports business world, um, you know, uh, and I'm telling you right now, there are teams out there that are bleeding, you know, they're bleeding money right now. They just, uh, and you're going to see some teams add 
some ownership pieces. You know, they're going to go out and find people with money to buy percentages of sports franchises. It's just, I think it's, it's going to be part of the landscape. They may not publicize it, but teams are looking for ways to get some revenue infused into their teams. Well, yeah, and it's no question that Major League Baseball as a whole lost several billion dollars in 2020. Yeah. And and that, that hurts every single team. And they and nobody's crying for these millionaire and billionaire owners, you know, because they still, they still have their money. But they, they need to recoup their funds. You, you, I don't care who you are. You, you lose seven billion dollars from what you made the year before that's that's a big blow that's a yeah. that's a big blow now and, and let's face it the player you asked me the two players you asked me about earlier uh, jock peterson and kyle schwarber you know there's no question had the pandemic not happened schwarber would have probably gotten a a larger amount of money i'm not saying he would have signed with the cubs but he would have been a guy i think somebody like the yankees might have given a three-year contract to Right now, you're seeing an awful lot of one-year contracts. Absolutely, I, I, Marcus Simeon's one of the best shortstops in the game, and he just had to sign yeah, a one-year I mean, contract with the Blue Jays. That's a pandemic uh, price there that he had to settle for a one-year contract. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. Now, is it coincidental, Stan, that both Trey Mancini and Anthony Santander were asked to defer money, and then they were uh, part of trade rumors the fo- the week after? Is that coincidental, or is that just something that that it's not it's in my opinion it's not punitive in any way shape or form it's just uh, like you said the due, the due diligence of doing everything they can to put out a, a better team as soon as possible and if they if they can save a few bucks here and there um they're going to do that right now yeah, it, it makes sense. Now, Stan, we only have a few minutes left, so before we yep. let you go, um, the Orioles, uh, Mike Elias, you and I, you and I have talked all off season about how the Orioles might need to add a veteran backup catcher. But Mike Elias said the other day that they're no, it's no longer a priority for the ball club, so they're moving forward with Pedro Severino and Chan Cisco behind the plate, uh, and then they have the depth that includes Austin Wins, Taylor Davis, and Nick Chufo. Uh, the, the people always talk about the offensive upside with Severino and with Cisco, but Severino's faded down the stretch each of the last two years. Chance Cisco's own base percentage was there last year, but he hit two twelve. He hasn't yep. found the stroke that made him a three oh five hitter in the minors. Can can we really have a lot of confidence that the Orioles are offensively set? Because their defense leaves a lot to be desired. We all know that at the major league level. Well, you know, I, I'm, I might differ with you. To me, the bigger problem between Cisco and Severino is watching them catch night in and night out. And I think I talked about this on your show yeah. uh, several weeks ago when I was talking about Mike Zanino. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just I, I I find the that Chance Cisco and Severino really don't offer you much in the way of operating, running a game, you know, uh, calling a game, making sure that they get their bodies in front of potential pass balls um, or, or even potential wild pitches. I think the defensive play at, at the catcher spot is just not there. But I think it's a – in order to get somebody, they would be, they would be looking at like a $3 million purchase – and they just don't have that money right now. Yeah, so they, they ended up going. You know what? 
you know, these two guys are decent enough play savers. Uh, neither one of them is going to be our number one catcher. Now, with Severino, I guess they're hoping that this year he can maybe put up, you know, 16, 18 home runs, and he becomes a, a trade chip by midseason. And, you know, and then wins could come up for a month or two, uh, and, and Rutschman would really have a chance to make the team next year. Yeah. I think we have a chance for a Rutschman cameo this year, but, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that's a 75, 80%. I think that's like a 25%. Well, I think that people are really kind of softening their stance that we're not going to see Rutschman this year. I, I, we, yeah. had, we had Glenn on a few weeks ago, and he made the great point that there might be something in, in the wording and the verbiage in, um, in Rutschman's contract that he signed with the Orioles that says he has to be at the major league level by a certain time. And, you know, so uh, because it seems like everybody around the team is softening their stance that we're not going to see him this year. And I like the, uh, and and I like what you said because it makes sense that Severino could make himself a trade chip. He he would have been the starting catcher for the all in the all-star game, if there was an all-star game last year. And, uh, and he could make himself a trade chip. And then who knows, maybe you see Rutschman after that. Maybe you see Rutschman at the beginning of September. It remains to be seen. I just, and the reason I brought up the offense is because without the offense, the defense becomes that that much more glaring. Severino yep. was known for his glove and his arm before he came here, and it seems like he's put so much emphasis on his offensive side of the game that his defensive side of the game has suffered because of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. All right, Stan, we got we to gotta get a break, but really appreciate you joining All right, the program. Thanks, guys. You're doing a terrific job. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Hopefully next Thank week. you, Stan. Talk okay. to you next week. Bye. Bye. All right, sorry, I, I hit the wrong button to drop the call. And no worries. My my apologies. Uh, that was Stan the Fan joining us in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. The Bat Around is brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. Stan the Fan Charles has two great shows for you every week, and like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball, and every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat a different chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross called up with Orioles Director of Player Development, Matt Blood, who was a guest on our show last week, while Stan and Gary chatted with Towson University Athletic Director Tim Leonard. Both of those shows can be found under the videos tab at facebook.com pressboxsports. Coming up this Monday night at 8, Stan and Ross will chat with MLB.com Orioles beat writer Joe Trezor, who's also been on the show. Uh, join them on Facebook Live or find the show the next day at PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at um, C3America.com and call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. We're going to get a break. When we come back, we're going to have from the athletic Baltimore's own Dan Connolly. Glory Days Grill Fall Winter Seasonal Menu is now available for dine-in, dine-out, on the patio, or to-go. It's a new season, so enjoy new flavors. Try their new shrimp appetizers, homemade meatloaf, impossible cheesesteaks, and more. They're open from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. Visit glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. From the Glory Days Grill family, stay healthy and positive during this challenging time in our community. 
Hey, Dad, can we try one of those hoagie things? Sorry, son. We aren't hoagie people. What do you mean? Son, we're Royal Farms sub people, like my daddy was and his daddy before him, like you and me and all the folks we know. Gee, Dad, I never thought about it like that. So you're saying hoagie people are... Aliens, son. They're aliens. <laughs> Royal Farm subs are Baltimore's best. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen. Appreciate you. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Glad to be back on. Ravens linebacker Matt Judon. Appreciate y'all. How y'all doing? Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Coach Mark Turgeon. How you guys doing? Heston Kerstad. Thanks for having me. Joe Burrow. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Coach Mike Loxley. Thanks for having me on. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. Dickie V, Dick Vitale. Glenn and Kyle, two diaper dandy. What's up, fellas? Hey, what's going on, Ed? Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. For more than 40 years, K&S Automotive has been repairing, restoring, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work. Call K&S now at 410-235-6600 or go to knsimports.com. That's K&S at knsimports.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we recognize our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, Trey Mancini, whose courageous fight against colon cancer and dedication to the community inspired us this year. We also recognize other Baltimore sports fighters, the current and former local athletes and coaches who have taken active roles in the fight against COVID-19 and for social justice. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back to the Bat Around, coming to you from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Joining the program now is Dan Connolly from The Athletic. Dan, how are you today? Good, how you doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. Thank you for joining the program. Uh, we certainly uh, enjoy any chance we get to talk with you. Uh, the Orioles, they signed Freddie Galvis to a one-year, $1.5 million deal, which uh, and it can have an additional 250000 if he is traded uh, during this season. Does the addition of Galvis do enough to make up for the trade of Jose Iglesias, or is there still a drop-off uh, offensively and defensively speaking? Well, I mean, I think there's a drop-off, especially what uh, Iglesias did last year offensively. 
Um, no one could have expected that hitting over 370. Uh, you know, the the OPS was in the 900s. Um, and, and you're obviously not going to get that from Freddie Galvis, uh, but you're probably not going to get that from Jose Iglesias either. And Jose Iglesias only played 24 games at shortstop, 22 starts. So Galvis is a guy who, you know, is very durable. Um, twice in his career, he's played 162 games. So, I mean, I, I think if you're saying, you know, is this a drop-off as far as quality or, or expectations? Yeah, I, I, I would imagine it would be. He's not as good of a defensive shortstop as Iglesias. But I think you got to look at the big picture of it. You know, Iglesias is going to make $3.5 million and Galvis is making $1.5 million. There's a $2 million difference there. The Orioles traded Iglesias and got two pitching prospects. Who knows what they are? I've been calling them lottery tickets. All these guys are lottery tickets in my estimation. Um, however, but you're still talking about getting $2 million more, and you're talking about getting two players and having a guy who's a veteran, who's a shortstop, who can handle – the position well, and he can you know do what Iglesias did in those 24 games, which is help stabilize the infield and, and you know help protect those young pitchers. So from that aspect, I think it's a great move. From the aspect of well, is Iglesias better? Yeah, probably, and so maybe that helps your team a little bit more. But again, Paul, we're talking about a team that that no one has really much expectations for. Um, so if you're talking about just doing the, the things that they need, which is specifically taking care of that young pitching staff. I think it's a fine, maybe even a a real good move. Yeah, I think that we're looking at it more so as well from the defensive standpoint. And he led the National League in in fielding percentage three years from 2016 to 2018. So from that standpoint, it certainly is a good move and will help this young pitching staff. You're 100% right about that. Now, another guy who could have helped the pitching staff, but he got hurt again, Richie Martin. He he had to have surgery to remove the handmate bone from his left hand after an injury in the, uh, I guess in the gym, he hurt himself. Um, last year when he broke his wrist, you wrote that it was going to be a big blow to the Orioles, and that proved to be correct because it led to the Andrew Velasquez era here in Baltimore. Uh, what kind of a blow is it to the Orioles to lose Richie Martin? Was he slated to start in Norfolk, or was he really in the running for that utility spot? I think he was probably Norfolk, but it could have. He certainly was in the running for the uh, utility spot, and uh, you know, having somebody who can really play shortstop in the utility spot is is ideal and you know you, you have Vallega who has played shortstop but certainly isn't the guy you want to put there for you know more than a few innings or, or a game or two so Martin can obviously play the, the position defensively when I read last year what, my whole point of what it was a big blow is that this is the kind of stuff that you didn't want to see happen in a truncated season because you need development the whole season last year those 60 games we're trying to get those guys the younger guys developed trying to see what they have, make him, you know, like a guy like Mountcastle, give him a taste in the majors, a guy like Martin, give him a second year in it. Um, really, uh, to me, last year, and, and this year coming up as well, is all about what kind of experience these guys can get. And so in that sense, there was a guy who we weren't really sure about in Martin, and we didn't get a chance to see him play again last year and have him do that, you know, kind of be in that competition, that top-level competition again. Um same thing for this year, because, you know, he would have been in the majors um, probably either to, to start the season or at some point in the season. This is not an injury that's going to take him out. I mean, he, you know, Mike Elias told us that he'll be back by, by middle of spring training probably, um, although opening day is probably not necessarily can happen. You know, he should be available, um, you know, at some point in, in April to, to play if they need him to come up. Um, and I guess there's an outside chance he could make the opening day roster. It's just it's usually a five or six week injury, and you're going to 
what a nurse and back since he's already had an, you know, an injury in his other uh, surgically repaired uh, right wrist. So I would say that as how much of a blow is this, Paul? I would say it's, you know, it's, it's, it just hurts the depth. It hurts the depth. It's what it did last right. year. It's what it this, did this year. Um, they may be a little deeper this year because they do have Valeka and they do have Sanchez who can play shortstop in a pinch. Um, but neither one of those guys are shortstops and Richie Martin is. So if something happens to Galvis, this obviously is a bigger blow. Hey, Dan, it's Zach Goodman, and we just talked about Richie Martin, obviously, and the injury. It seems like he's going to be a more injury-prone player throughout his career. He's missed the, you know, he's going to miss at least until uh, midway through March, but does that make the need for someone like Jonathan VR greater? We had heard some rumors about the Orioles possibly going after Jonathan VR, bringing him back. Um, is there any substance to those rumors? Is Jonathan VR possibly returning to Baltimore? You know, all of this stuff depends on what the money is. And, you know, if Jonathan VR's, you know, his, his value drops to the point where it, it makes sense for the Orioles, they'll do it. It's not that, I mean, they, they loved having VR around, um, you know, high-energy guy, all of that. Um, but I, I think by doing Gallus, that probably says no to, to VR um, for the most part, unless, again, the numbers come down. We were, we were talking to Elias uh, a couple of days ago, Mike Elias, Orioles GM. Basically, his wish list is starting pitching now. And would he like to have another utility guy to compete? Yes, and that's something that, that um, I think they're going to be looking for. But I don't think that Jonathan VR is signing a, you know, a really cheap deal to be a utility guy, uh, especially on a utility guy on a really bad team. So my guess is Jonathan VR will not be part of the Orioles. But again, I mean, you're going to kick the tires on all these guys because if, you know, if D.D. Gregorius' numbers fall, you go after him. I mean, it's, it's all about what the, what the value is. And Freddie Galvis's value dropped from $5.5 million last year to $1.5 million this year. That's an absolute no-brainer for the Orioles. I don't think VR – I mean, he's not going to drop below that, guys. So my guess is he's not coming to the Orioles to be a, um, a utility player, and that's kind of what they're looking for at this point. So I would think unless the value is really low, that's not going to happen. My guess is they're going to get somebody um, who is a – you know, signs to a minor league deal – uh, maybe a split contract like Valeka, and uh, have him compete. And if and if he doesn't make it, then he can always work. You know, go AAA if he doesn't decide to declare free agency. Well, yeah, and you're talking about the utility infielder, and it, Michael Elias did state that they're in the market for a veteran utility infielder. Uh, have you heard any names? Anybody like Brock Holt, for example? And I know Hanser Alberto. They've been talking about he might be back. What are the chances of that happening? I, again, it all depends on what the finances are. The Orioles aren't going to be spending much money. This is right. this purchase of uh, Freddie Galvis will either be the most expensive of this year or the second most expensive of the year. The only one that's going to top this is if they get a major league pitcher in a $2 million deal, something of that nature. Um, it won't be much more than that. So I'm pretty convinced that this is going to be the most expensive contract. So if they can get a guy like Alberto to come back down to $1 million and bring him back, yeah, they would do it. Um, you know, I, the problem is here is that in the last the last few days, last week, things have heated up some. Um, but I was talking to a couple agents just about a week ago, and their guys weren't even hearing anything. I mean, those guys weren't even getting, you know, they were, they were, hey, we have some interest, but they weren't even getting offers. So I, I think that it's really slow. It's going to develop now, and some guys are going to take contracts below them. If one of these guys take a contract below them, they'll take it. I mean, the Orioles will take any one of those guys. It's just a matter of 
whether it's a fit for them and what they're afraid the finance is going to be. Freddie Gallus making $1.5 million is a huge thing for the Orioles because it's a major reduction in what he probably is worth, you know, comparatively. However, he wants to play shortstop all the time, and this was a, uh, a situation where the Orioles need a starting shortstop, and basically we're giving him the, the keys there. Um, guys like Alberto, guys like VR, um, they're probably going to get a little bit more money, or they're going to go place with a little bit more of a uh, of a, a starting sense. I mean, if Alberto comes back here, what is he? So That's I think they have, they'd love to have him back, but it's all about the finances and what those players feel their value are. Now you mentioned that the Galvis contract is either be the most expensive or second most expensive, only would be second to a pitcher. A pitcher that I have in mind for the Orioles is Matt Shoemaker. He's had significant past success, but he's been in- injured much the last four years. This is a guy who hasn't made you know more than twenty start, more than fourteen starts in the season since twenty sixteen. Is he a, a, a likely candidate to sign a one year make good deal with a team like the Orioles and then reestablish himself in the market next year? Here's the problem. The guys who have, uh, you know, have a pedigree, mm-hmm. who are dealing with injuries or, as you called it, the make-good contracts or, or the pillow contracts that Scott Boris have talked about, those guys are going to, one, contenders, and two, places where you can pitch well. Yeah. Um, name me a, a player who is in that pedigree who chose the Orioles on a one-year deal. Um, it doesn't happen. When they're looking for one-year deals, they go to San Diego. They go to you know, places that you can pitch well and have a chance to win. So your win numbers are up. Your ERA is down. You know, all of that stuff. The guys who sign in Baltimore to pitch either don't have really any other opportunities or are being overpaid. Those are the veteran starters that the Orioles get. So a guy like Wade LeBlanc wasn't sure he would be a starter somewhere else, 35 years old. The Orioles give him, you know, a, a deal which basically says, "Hey, you're going to be pitching in the majors for us." He's going to jump at that. Matt Shoemaker is going to have other possibilities. I mean, the guy has had a really good career when he has pitched. So, I, I mean, the Orioles aren't going to go into the four millions or eight millions or high incentive deals for for you know one year pitchers. And the ones who are lower like that, but if they they have a pedigree. They're going to go somewhere else. It's not a good place to pitch in Camden Yards in the summer. It's just not. And you're pitching for a terrible team. So you could see yourself with a 4-5, 4-7 ERA and, you know, 3-7 by the 3-8 and eight or whatever at the uh, All-Star break. That's not what a guy wants to reestablish himself. So I don't see it happening. Um, again, we have to see what this market brings. And maybe, you know, there's just too many chairs, not enough chairs for these guys to fall into in the musical chairs game. But I don't see a Matt Shoemaker. I see him signing a one-year, $4 million deal to make good somewhere else and goes to a contender or somewhere in the you know the West Coast goes to Seattle or whatever to try and pitch in a little bit better of a ballpark. Yeah, and, and you just talked about the Orioles being that free agent. You know, They're not signing a lot of them right now. It's a little bit tougher to bring these free agents to Baltimore. But when do you think it's possible that the Orioles could be more of a, a better free agent destination, a place where pitchers actually want to come? When will that happen for the Orioles? Is it when they win 80 games? Or can it happen when they start giving out higher numbers in the contracts? Well, I think those things are together. I mean, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think the Orioles... We're going to, are going to start paying for more when they think they have a chance to win. Um, and I, I think that that's what Mike Elias has said since the very beginning, that when we have a team that we think is competitive, that we don't have to keep building the, the, you know, the talent base, 
and we have a team that we think that can win, then we're going to pay appropriately. Now, of course, we've got to see if that happens. But that's what he was told when he came here. He, he feels that it's still the same situation. That's what the Houston Astros did. And, you know, I, I think once you get established as you're a pretty good team and you need a couple players to get you over, I think that becomes, you know, uh, coveted players a little bit more interested. It's always going to be hard to get Orioles, I mean, to get starting pitchers, free agents to come to Baltimore. It is. And if you look at the ones that the Orioles have gotten over the years, the last few years, whatever, they've overpaid for them. And they, unfortunately, they haven't worked out. But, you know, Andrew Kasher and Alex Cobb and Baldo Jimenez, we can go down the line, are guys who are established veterans who got multi-year deals um, and a good, good pay jump to do so. And, and, and all three of those guys kind of were, were signing in February or, you know, you know, late January, early February, because they didn't have the, the, you know, the contracts that they wanted. So I think you're going to see that kind of pitcher come to Baltimore again, but I don't think that we're going to see it the next year or two, because I don't think that the Orioles are there. And we're going to spend the kind of money to do so. I think the Orioles are always going to have to overspend for free agent pitching. I think it's just the way it's going to be. Well, and, that, and that's why, they're trying to grow their pitching right. and their farm system needs to be so deep so that you have a guy like Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall who are going to round out, who are going to make your rotation in the coming in the coming years. So that makes a lot of sense there. And you, you're you right, the Orioles, they're not going to be spending a ton of money right now. They asked Anthony Santander and Trey Manson to defer some money. It was their right to say, to ask, and it was the, the players' rights to say no. Now then we hear Trey Mancini and Santander are uh, in trade rumors. Santander with the Marlins, Mancini with the Braves. Is this one of those things where, is it a coincidence, or it's like, hey, these are our most expensive players next to Chris Davis and Alex Cobb. Let's see what we can get for them. I don't think it's either, honestly, Paul. I think it's just the fact that every team knows the Orioles are in this situation. Every team knows that the Orioles were going to sell guys off, and they have players, some players of interest. Um, you know, the, the Braves have a hole in the middle of their lineup right now, and they're looking at, at possibilities, and so they're going to you know, touch base with teams. I don't see the Orioles trading Trey Mancini now. I mean, it would, it would be foolish in several ways. Um, but does that mean the Braves can't? I mean, is it a trade rumor when the Braves contact the Orioles and say, what's up with Trey Mancini? I, I mean, you know, that's kind of the world we live in, and I get it. Um, but I, I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily, I, I could definitely see a Santander trade at some point. Um, and I could see a Mancini trade beyond at least July and, and maybe into next year because of what their contractual situation is. And if they are productive players and they are getting a little bit older and probably won't be in their prime when the Orioles are ready. So those are the kind of guys that the Orioles would trade. And those are the kind of guys that other teams will look and say, hey, what's the deal with them and kick the tires on them. Um, but I don't necessarily, I mean, I, I think fans have kind of taken that leap now and been like, okay, I can't believe they're going to trade those two guys. Relax a little. I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't think Trey Mancini is not going to be in an Orioles uniform in April. Um, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be. Santander, if a team comes and, and knocks the Orioles' socks off, Santander, Santander, they're going to trade him. I mean, it's just the way it is. That's what a rebuild is. So I don't think they're looking to dump either one of these guys. I don't think their contracts are exorbitant to that point where they're handcuffed. But they are obviously trying to save money, as I wrote about the, the deferrals. And, you know, this is a team that is looking to cut costs. So if they can get the right players for them, uh, I could see them doing them, or at least with Santander. I just can't see the PR thing and everything else for them to trade Trey Mancini before he plays for the Orioles again. Well, and certainly the, the both trades, and you mentioned because they're going to be, you know, 
towards the twilight of their career when the Orioles get back together, at least Trey Mancini anyway, you're looking at these players, and Anthony Santander, it actually makes a lot of sense to explore Trey with him because he's got four years of team control, including 2021. He's still young. He's a Gold Glove finalist. His value may never be higher than it is right now. So it totally makes sense. And from a baseball perspective only, not a PR standpoint, baseball perspective only, trading Trey Mancini, who's got two years of team control left, who's going to be 30 uh, in 2022, it makes sense. And the Orioles, as a business, would be irresponsible not to do it, it seems, anyway. Now, uh, Masson, as a business, uh, they announced that they have a new streaming app this year, and you wrote about this in your article the other day, um, that's going to start basically on opening day this year, but you can't cut the cord yet. You have to still have a cable provider um, to, to access the Masson streaming app. Is this um, was this first of all was this announcement made to kind of soften the blow from the massing cuts? And how do you feel about the fact that we can now watch Orioles games outside of our living rooms? Well, the first part of that is I mean I don't know if it was made. I mean they, they've been working on this, so this was something that they had to do and they wanted right. to do. Um, and so I don't think it was coincidence that they were announcing changes and, and getting rid of a lot of their, you know, the more recognizable names. Um, and, oh, hey, here's a streamer. I mean, I think that just makes sense that they would do it like that. Right. Like, if we're going to announce this anyway, we might as well take the bad and the good together and, and announce them, you know, on the same day. So th- I don't think that was coincidence. Um, you know, it's funny. When I wrote about this, and I've talked to a lot of people about it. Um, and, and first of all, it's really good to have – the, the streaming. I, I don't understand why it's taken them this long. Um, it's fantastic that they have it. That you you know you can take your tablet or your phone or whatever to the little league game or to the back porch and crabs and be able to watch the game and you're not tethered to your your television. And that's great. And that's kind of the way it should have been. And so that's fantastic. The fact that you still need a provider for it, you know, that is limiting and it's disappointing. But it's also fairly standard. I mean, from what I could tell, most teams they do it this way because frankly that's how money is made in in this kind of acquisition situation is that you know the the cable providers pay the uh the orioles to they basically carry mass in and they they pay them for the subscribers and the subscribers aren't there they're not going to be paying them so and for the orioles to just say hey we're doing it independently you know you have to pay a lot of money per subscriber to get to that number so I mean, it makes sense they're doing this way. There are some some teams that their regional sports network is available on a YouTube TV or things like that, um, where you don't have to have the the subscription, the provider subscription number. But most teams, from what I can see, most regional sports networks work it this way. And so, you know, it's it's disappointing that you still have to be connected, um, you know, via paying, and you can't really fully cut the cord. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it is a kind of a baby step. I think it's. You know, it's good with the bad, um, and and I, I mean, I think it is great that people can actually have you know watch Orioles and Nationals games, um, and not have to be like stuck to their their living room, if you will. Yeah, and it's certainly nice for people that that can't be home to watch the game that they have an opportunity right. to keep up with the team. So it, it's a, it's a good thing, and it's been a long time coming. Um, right. Be- just, it would just be nice if you know you could just completely cut the cord. I mean, I I have I have Directv, and I have it almost primarily because of. Um, you know, having baseball. And so to be able to completely cut away from that, that would be fantastic. It would save me a lot of money and I could funnel that money into, you know, buying this, but that's not really a reality for a lot of regional sports networks right now. Uh, Dan, all you got to do is switch your, your cell phone provider to T-Mobile. They give you MLB TV free every year. 
Yeah, but it's blacked out, isn't it? Uh, for the Orioles, yeah. it's, it's blacked yeah, out. That's, and the Nationals, that's the thing. Yeah. You, 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 so what you have to do is you have to get a different VPN and then, um, you know, from, say, Utah or Colorado so that it you blocks out the blocks out the the uh, Rockies games that kind of stuff and that and that's illegal you're not supposed to do that dance thing ahead yeah so I mean I I would certainly not endorse that so um, yeah the MLB TV thing would be fantastic if there weren't blackouts and and you know I mean but that, again that's to protect the the local uh, regional sports network so I understand it and like I you know I mean and I I understand why they would do a streamer I mean it was it was sorely needed. Um, and like I said, I mean, it would be great if the other situation happened, but I, and I thought, I think a lot of people thought that's what was going to happen when they finally did it. You could just get a, a subscription for watching Orioles games. And really that's not that available for almost, you know, any team, much less the Orioles. Yeah. And, and it makes sense because otherwise they're probably losing money if they're going with the streaming service. So right. now before we let you go, um, we already know that minor league spring training has been pushed back until the end of major league triple a spring training. Have you heard anything about major league spring training? Are you planning on going to spring training? Is it seeming like it's going to start on time? What are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest uh, from a, from a, from a, a baseball sports sense, they, they're saying they're going to start, you know, February 16th is pitchers and catchers. Um, and they're going to start then. And, um, you got to go take it as face value. But there's so much uncertainty, and there's so much uncertainty with you know with the rise, especially in Arizona. Um, now, obviously, it doesn't affect the Orioles, but the full schedule would. Um, so I don't know. My own personal situation, the Orioles aren't exactly sure where all the access is going to be yet. They're trying to figure it out. I mean, it's certainly one of those things that um, they're going to be doing a lot of Zooms and, and helping us with that. And the Orioles actually did a very good job last year, I think, with trying to you know handle media requests and, and do it all for us, even though we were only you know allowed to be in the press box and not be able to go talk to anybody um, you know outside of there. So what are we going to do? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I think the entire B crew is up in the air on exactly what our situation is. Um, and, you know, the athletic, who I work for, they're not 100% sure what they want to do because of safety reasons and such. So we're, we're kind of all up in the air. I mean, I, if I go, and I mean, I've, you know, I've done it for 20 seasons now. Um, if I go, it'll be a limited amount of time, and it'll be probably, you know, seven or eight days to watch some games. But I will not be there uh, when pitchers and catchers report. Um, just because of the uncertainty of everything. And that's not the Orioles, it's MLB, but it's just really the world as it is, Paul. I mean, we just don't know what the situation is going to be. So to keep ourselves, all of ourselves safe, um, I think we're going to be taking this very slowly this year instead of me being there. I mean, I would normally, in, in most cases, be there on February 16th. Now, Dan, I'm not sure if you saw this, but a few weeks ago, some of the political leaders from the Phoenix area in Arizona asked, they wrote a letter and, and basically asked MLB to delay the start of spring training because of the COVID numbers that were coming out in the area of Phoenix. It's obviously very bad there in Arizona. So if one spring training site were to stop, say, in Arizona or, say, in Florida, would the other one have to shut down as well, or do you think they could operate independently? Well, they could operate independently, but that changes what the schedule is. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, you're, you're not going to, that, that's the difficulty of it. And, and yeah, obviously I saw it and, and it was, there were eight, um, representatives of the cities in which the teams are played, um, asking major league baseball to do that. Major league baseball ha- has not, you know, said they're going to push anything back at this point. Um, but yeah, if Arizona is messed up and, and there's, you know, there's, there's problems there and, and it bleeds over to the major league baseball teams, um, that's going to have a problem that's going to, you know, have consequences for 
uh, Florida as well. But yeah, Florida and, and Arizona could operate separately, but they all need to start at the same time. Um, and so that's what the problem is. And and if if Arizona is pushed back a month, then it would make sense that that you know that Florida would be pushed back a month. The, the real problem here is. Major League Baseball wants 162 games. They want as many games as they possibly can get with fans in the stands. Yep. That's really what the bottom line is. But if they minimize the number of games, they don't want to have to pay Major League Baseball players, the players' union, for that 162 games. I think everybody would be in agreement that we could go to 120 or 130 or whatever so that so as if Major League Baseball is not paying the players for 30 games that they're not going to play in. And that's what I think is going to end up being the problem. Is the players like, hey, we took it, you know, we took this program last year. We're not prorating this year. And Major League Baseball is like, well, we want as many games as we possibly can with with fans. So we're going to try to get the whole 162 in. And you know, I, I mean, I was skeptical last year, and they had a World Series. So I don't know what I'm talking about, but I am skeptical <laughs> this year that they're going to get through spring and they're going to get through 162 games without any major problems. Yeah, Dan, I don't think any of us know what we're talking about anymore when it comes yep. to this stuff. So uh, definitely yep. diff- difficult scenarios to figure out. Dan, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining the program and giving us a, quite a bit of time today. We certainly appreciate it. You got it, guys. My pleasure. All right, man. Have a good one. Take care. Right. You too. Bye-bye. And that was Dan Connolly from The Athletic being gracious enough to join the program with us today. Dan is Dan's a really good guy, always willing to oh, yeah. talk baseball. Um, weekends are tough for him, so him being able to make time for us on a Saturday morning is a big deal. So anytime that he has time, I want to get him on. So that was, that was great of him to join our program. We're going to get another break here. Um, when we get back, we have a f- basically a full 45 minutes from now to the end of the show just to talk about Orioles and Major League Baseball. Zach and I are pretty excited because we get to voice our own opinions. We, we voice our own opinions every show, but we get to talk about it, you know, talk about baseball. It's what we love to do, so we're excited to do it. Uh, I just want to remind you real quick, we are still in a pandemic, folks, and I know that they're lifting some restrictions on restaurants and whatnot, but masks are still a part of our lives now, and they probably will be for a while, so we might as well wear masks to celebrate our hometown teams uh, and the athletes that we love. PressBox is offering three different types of home team masks, including a purple and orange Maryland flag pattern 20-inch neck gaiter. I usually give Zach time to put the thing on. I didn't tell him I was doing the live read today, so he's got it in his hands, but not on his face. That's okay. You do it every week. Uh, plus, to celebrate a purple neck gaiter honoring the MVP quarterback and an over-the-ear two-ply Maryland flag mask featuring a faded version of the iconic state flag. These are decorative masks, folks. So they look nice, but they're not CDC-approved. They are perfect, however, for hanging out and watching games this fall while supporting your teams and being respectful of those around you. So get your masks right now at PressBoxOnline.com masks. That's PressBoxOnline.com masks to get yours now. We'll be back in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio after these messages. All right, folks, we had a bit of an issue here with our um, with our ad. 
I'm going to try one more time. Won't let me play it. So we'll play Blake Break 3 C3 here. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Since masks are a part of our lives now and probably will be for a while, we might as well wear masks that celebrate our hometown and the teams and athletes we love. Pressbox is offering three different types of masks, including a purple and orange Maryland flag pattern 20-inch neck gaiter, plus a Celebrate 8 purple neck gaiter honoring the MVP quarterback, and an over-the-ear two-ply Maryland flag mask featuring a faded version of the iconic state flag. These are decorative masks. They're not CDC approved, but they are perfect for hanging out and watching games this fall while supporting your favorite teams and being respectful of those around you. Get your masks right now at PressBoxOnline.com masks. That's PressBoxOnline.com masks to get yours now. Get the fresh start you deserve. It's a new year. It's a new you. In the U.S. Army, you will acquire the skills and experiences that will prepare you for a long and successful career. There are more than 150 career fields to help you find the right fit for your future. Become a stronger and more successful individual that you and your family can be proud of. Explore all the ways to serve. To request more information, text AQWP to Go Army or 462-769. Hey, Dad, can we try one of those hoagie things? <sighs> Sorry, son. We aren't hoagie people. What do you mean? Son, we're Royal Farms sub people, like my daddy was and his daddy before him, like you and me and all the folks we know. Gee, Dad, I never thought about it like that. So you're saying hoagie people are... Aliens, son. They're aliens. <laughs> Royal Farm subs are Baltimore's best. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we recognize our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, Trey Mancini, whose courageous fight against colon cancer and dedication to the community inspired us this year. We also recognize other Baltimore sports fighters, the current and former local athletes and coaches who have taken active roles in the fight against COVID-19 and for social justice. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
All right, the latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we recognize Mo Gabba, Sportsperson of the Year, Trey Mancini, whose courageous fight against colon cancer and dedication to the community inspired us this year. We also recognize other Baltimore sports fighters, the current and former local athletes and coaches who have taken active roles in the fight against COVID-19 and for social justice. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Highlander, Highlander. All right, so whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got a perfect Highlander for you. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, all right. Sorry if you heard me giving instructions to Zach there. Getting I'm some try- live reads in. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to da- re-download uh, our second break ads because we can't not have them. People pay to have these ads on the show. Maybe there was something wrong with the first download. So I tried it again. I think it should work next time that we do a break. So we'll just play ads two in the ad three slot. Not that you all care. You're not here for our commercials. You're here to for us to talk about some Orioles and Major League Baseball with you. That's exactly what we're gonna do right now? Um, the pay. Oh, I'm sorry. We're gonna talk about the Orioles first. Okay. Okay. Freddie Galvis. Orioles sign Freddie Galvis again. One year, one point five million dollar deal. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars goes to him if the Orioles trade him. We've been talking about it all show. To me, this was the best signing that the Orioles could hope for after they traded Glace- traded the Glacius. He's he's got more offensive upside than a Danny Echeverria who signed over in Japan. Um, He's just as good a defender. Um, he might Stan and and um, not Stan. I'm sorry. Dan said that he's not the defender that Jose Iglesias is, but his numbers would suggest that he is. He only has 51 errors at shortstop in nine years. Still very good, very very good. Jose Iglesias might be a little bit flashier. I think that's the difference okay. between the two. You know, he's more solid as a player, and the Iglesias is very, very flashy. You know, the glove flips, the the spins, that kind of stuff is more of what you'll see out of him. But yeah, I, I would agree. They're both great defenders. Yeah, you're looking more like a J.J. Hardy right? Exactly. Type, type of thing where you field everything that comes to you. You know, if, if you can get to it, you're going to make the play, and that's all the Orioles can ask for, especially with this young pitching staff. The offense, with a signing like this, you don't want to say the offense is almost secondary. If the offense was secondary, you would have signed Ahira Adrianza. Um you want the guy to be able to, to, to hold his own in the lineup, and he, and he can. You know, he's uh, two seasons removed from a 23-homer, 28-double campaign with 70 RBIs. The on-base percentage, not there. Not there. And Stan made a great point. Freddie Galvis is one of those guys who's going to frustrate you at times because he's going to make a lot of third outs in an inning with runners on base. It's yeah. And that's going to be the frustrating thing. And that's where you miss the on-base percentage. You miss the being selective and being able to work a count and, you know, make the pitcher have to have to throw you a ton of pitches. You know, free swingers, we, we've seen a lot of free swingers in Orioles history. They have Vladimir Guerrero at the end of his career. You had Adam Jones, who's a great player, free swinger. Hanser Alberto, great against lefties, hit two eighty three, hit three oh five in his two years here. Free swinger, guys who don't walk a lot. Jonathan Scope, like, never walked. So we're... We're used to that here, but this guy doesn't maybe necessarily have the offensive upside 
that you got from Jonathan Scope and Adam Jones. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, he's not going to be a guy who's going to light it up every night. He's not going to be probably a 300 hitter, hits 30 home runs. That's just not the guy he is. He's just a solid balance of everything. He's not a five-tool player, but he's a solid balance of what you're going to get. I, I think it's... It's it's better than a lot of the alternatives, and I think it's better than quite a few of the, the signings the Orioles could make. Adrianza is not a guy that I really would have cared to see. He would have been a good glove, but again, you're really not going to get much of a bat out of him. Galvis, I, I think there's a lot of boom potential here. I don't think there's as much bust. I mean, this is a guy who hit 220 last year. It wasn't a great season, only seven home runs. That's not great, but if he's providing the defense, I'll take that. You know, if it's a season like that in 162, he plays 145 and hits that, I'm fine with that. But if he can have a year like 2019 where he put up a 743 OPS, 23 home runs, 92 OPS plus, it's a pretty average offensive season, 20-plus home runs, I'll take that. I'll really take that all day, and if you provide me good defense, if you back up those young pitchers, I'm happy with that. I think that's what he provides. Yeah, and I think that that's what the Orioles were looking for. Yeah. You're not signing a guy to be the cornerstone of your franchise. You're signing a guy who's going to fill a gap, who's going to bridge a gap till you get to that cornerstone, like Gunnar Henderson, like right. Jordan Westberg. That's, or, you know, um, I, I can't remember who wrote the article, but somebody wrote an article the other day saying, could the Orioles be in play next season for Carlos Correa or Corey Seager? It was uh, Nathan Ruiz, the that's, son, that's who I it believe. Was. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's been on the program in the past, too. Are the Orioles, with the arrival of Rutschman, seemingly in 2022, and maybe Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, are the Orioles going to be ready to take that step for a Corey Seager or Carlos or Carlos Correa in 2022? Oh, I was talking about uh, Carlos Correa with Matt Kremnitzer last night on Twitter a little bit, and it just kind of makes sense to me. We, we both were talking about that article that Ruiz wrote, and it just makes sense. I mean, there's the Houston ties. Elias is largely credited for drafting, uh, you know, drafting Correa, so... There are a lot of people that make these picks, but Elias is credited with it. You know, he kind of worked him through the system. He was very high up in the system, and he knew Correa very well. I'm sure Elias has a great relationship with him, and it, it makes a lot of sense. I don't know, and I can't, I can't see the Orioles giving out a $200-plus million contract anytime soon. It seems unlikely, but for a guy like Correa, maybe not Seager, but for a guy like Correa who has the Houston ties and knows Michael Elias, knows Sigmeidel, it makes a little bit more sense. I think I could see something like that happening. Well, it definitely would make more sense for a guy like Correa rather than Seager. Um, and we did have Matt Blood on the program last week, and he said, "If for those of you worried about maybe blocking a guy like Gunnar Henderson or Jordan Westbrook, my assumption is that one of those two guys is going to end up playing third base for the Orioles. And Matt Blood, when he was on the program last week, said he doesn't want to pigeonhole Gunnar Henderson into yeah. any one position because he's so athletic. He's such a talent that he can play anywhere on the field. So if you have, a, if you can sign a Carlos Correa, and again, this is all hearsay. This is not saying that this is going to happen. Uh, it was just an article written that we have to pay attention to, right? And if you have, if you can get Carlos Correa and then move Gunnar, that doesn't mean Gunnar Henderson's not going to be on your team in, in three years. You know, it, it's just, they, they're going to want to surround Adley Rutschman with talent. That's the bottom line. Glenn Clark was absolutely correct when we had him on a month ago, and he said that they want to, they're not going to bring Adley Rutschman up to be part of a 75-win team. Right, he's the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone, and they're going to build around him. He's going to come up, you're going to see Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall come up probably around the same time, at least in the same season, yep. I would imagine. They want to put talent around those players, and Carlos Correa is certainly a talented player with a lot of star draw yeah. that is 
somebody that you would surround Adley Rutschman with. Now, cornerstone of the franchise right now is Trey Mancini. And you posted a tweet about it. Everybody on Orioles Twitter posted a tweet about it, right? The Braves kicked the tires on Trey Mancini. Guys, look, I tried not to give my full opinion on this earlier in the show because I wanted to do it now, and that's what I'm going to do. Trey Mancini is not going anywhere, at least not right now. The Orioles are not going to trade Trey Mancini. I'm going to look straight in the camera. They are not trading Trey Mancini before the start of this season. It's not going to happen. The PR blow that they would take from that nightmare. It would be it, a nightmare. It would be it would be an absolute nightmare. They wouldn't recover for years. They're they're not doing that. They're, they're way too smart for that. They're not going to trade Trey Mancini. Now look, if somebody comes to you and they say, "Hey, here is a top ten prospect in our organization who is major league ready right now." The Orioles would be foolish not to at least entertain the idea. They'd yeah, be- and, and I think that a lot of these rumors are, you know, on the possibility of the Orioles selling high. You know, Trey Mancini's coming off of 2019 where he had his best season by far. I mean, that was a great season. There are not too many offensive seasons you're going to see that, like that. And, and you're selling high. You're selling him as the best version of Trey Mancini that you're going to see. And he may do that again in 2021, but there are no guarantees. So if the Orioles were to sell him... Now it would make a lot of sense, but they can't. They they just simply can't. They they, they can't do it they, for the for the sake of their fan base, for the sake of their business. They can't do it. And here's the other thing: you said selling high, based on his last season of work. Right. Yeah, there was no they, 2020. They're, they're selling high, but the Orioles aren't getting blown away with offers for Trey Mancini right now. They, they just aren't. There's not a team in their right mind that's going to give the Orioles a small fortune for a guy who. And no offense. Just had colon cancer and hasn't played in over a year. Right. I mean, the, the value immediately drops there. It they're, just they're, they're not getting treasure for Trey Mancini right now. Now, ask me this question in the middle of July if Trey's hitting around 300 with 20 homers and 70 RBIs. If that's the case then, yeah, Trey Mancini's on the block. And guess what, guys? He should be. He should be. Yeah. Uh, I love Trey Mancini as much as next. I want to see him be an Oriole. But the fact of the matter is, Trey Mancini is going is 29 years old. When his he's under two years more of team control, it's either the Orioles sign a then 31-year-old player to a contract extension, or they trade him to get something. And you have enough outfield prospects. You have Ryan Mountcastle who can play first base. Adley Rutschman can play first base in a pinch. Not that uh, he's going to be the catcher. He's going to be the catcher, but he can also play first base on days that he doesn't catch to keep his bat in the lineup because he's a guy that you want in your lineup about 150 times a year, not 120 because he's right. a catcher. It, it, from a baseball standpoint, not talking about the man that Trey Mancini is. It makes sense to explore it as he, if he's having a great year in July. And I know I'm going to catch a lot of flack for that from those who are listening to this show. But you have to take your heart out of it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think that you know Trey's going to have to put on a show you know, to, to convince these teams that he's back, that he's the guy he once was. And I think he will. I mean, I, I think Trey Mancini has all the talent in the world. He, he works extremely hard. He's going to come back from this and probably be very, very good. And the Orioles will have, I'm sure, quite a few offers come in. I don't want the Orioles to sell him just to sell him at the deadline. I don't want them right. to say, "All right, you know, we're going to take a top thirty organizational prospect for him." I don't want to do that. That's not worth it. But if they can get something solid and a team gives them something where they feel, "Okay, we can turn this into a future star," 
I, I, I think you take it. And like you mentioned, there is so much depth the Orioles have in the corner outfield spots and at first base. Ryan Mountcastle probably penciled in as the future long-term first baseman. That makes complete sense. You've got Yusniel Diaz. You've got Heston Kerstad. Two corner outfielders were set to be- debut in the next two years, next three years. So when those guys come up, that really leaves no spot for Trey Mancini unless you want to DH him. But the Orioles are going to have options at DH, too. Yeah, and the Orioles, they have guys, they have so many outfielders. Right. You, uh, you, you're talking right and, now. And, and just added Haskin. Yeah, they, ha- they have Hudson Haskins. They have Heston Kerstad. Uh, they have uh, Ryan McKenna, Yusniel Diaz. These are guys who haven't even played for the Orioles, and some of them haven't even played it for an affiliate yet. That that still have to come up, and that's bef- and that's before you even talk about the Orioles starting outfield on April first, which is barring injury, going to be Ryan Mountcastle, Austin Hayes, and Anthony Santander. It makes sense. The Orioles don't have a first base prospect. They don't. They don't. It's Ryan Mountcastle and then, you know, maybe um, Tyler Nevin. Or Andrew Doshbach, one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, but they yeah. don't They don't have a, a first base prospect who's knocking the door down, yeah. which is why one of the reasons, one of the many reasons that Trey Mancini is still here. Now, they have the fifth pick in the draft. I don't know as much this year about the draft. I don't know anything this year about the draft because there wasn't a college season last year. There was like a, two weeks of college baseball and then everything shut down. But you don't. The Orioles could take a big right-handed hitting, power-hitting first baseman with the fifth overall pick, somebody of the ilk of a Spencer Torkelson or an Andrew Vaughn, and then we're like, okay, well then, what do you do with Trey Mancini, who's going to be 31 at the end of at the end of his tenure with the Orioles? Nobody wants to see Trey leave. Trey's not leaving anytime before the end of July at the earliest. So we have that to look forward to. But you guys, we need to take our heart out of it. We're always going to love Trey. He's always going to be a yep. good guy. He's always going to be in our hearts. But you got to take your heart out of it because the Orioles and every team in Major League Baseball doesn't think about players with their hearts. They think about players with their wallets and with what's going to be on the, on the field. And that's the bottom line. Uh, yeah, and the last thing I want to say about this is that, you know, it's going to hurt to it's going to hurt to lose him, but it's just something that's kind of inevitable. You just you're going to have a guy in his early 30s it just doesn't really make a lot of sense for the club. It's still a rebuilding club, as Stan mentioned before. It's it's going to happen, and I think people have just have to to warm up to the idea a little bit, and you know we'll see what the return is. I think that's going to convince people, you know, and, and and change their opinions quite drastically if the if the return is something like a a Jazz Chisholm, a top five prospect, top one hundred prospect, um, you know. So I don't know. It's 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 something that probably will happen this year, but I just don't know when. It won't be now. And you might not even see it happen this year. You it might may not. not. It you, may not. You might not. However, if Trey's having a big year and he's got the rest of this year under control and 2022, a team that's in contention like the Braves, they're going to come calling. And you have to listen. You absolutely have to listen. And this reminds me of what we were talking about in August and September and October regarding Hanser Alberto. And we're not saying this to be curmudgeons. We're saying it because... You all need to be prepared for the fact that at some point, Trey Mancini is not going to be a Baltimore Oriole. At we love him. He's on the cover of 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 our boss's cover. We work for Press Box. He's on our cover for Best of 2020. We love Trey Mancini, but from a baseball standpoint, prepare yourselves because 2022, 2023. 
he's not walking down that orange, running down that orange carpet on opening day. Yeah, and one more thing I want to mention about trade rumors as a whole, and this can apply to Santander or Mancini, is that they're just that. They're rumors. Yes. They're not. This is not. Michael Elias can get a call from the Braves GM, and the Braves can say, "Okay, we want Trey Mancini." Michael Elias can put the phone down, and say no, and then that would be reported as as a trade rumor. That's simply what that is. It's yeah. you can make the calls all you want. GMs make calls all the time. They're always looking to upgrade different positions. It doesn't mean they're actually talking about it. Michael Elias probably could hang up the phone, and they would still say it's a rumor. That's just how these things work. It's exactly how these things work, and it's the same thing with Santander, whose value may never be higher. Yeah. You know, he's got four years of team control, and the Orioles have a plethora of outfield options coming up. And Heston Kersau is number two overall pick. In what position does he play? He plays right field. Yep. He plays he plays Anthony Santander's position. Yasniel Diaz plays all over the outfield. Don't be surprised to see Santander traded. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if it does, it's not illogical. It's not. You know. Now, speaking of these guys and Trey Mancini and Anthony Santander, we can talk a bit, a little bit less doom and gloom about those guys. Orioles 2021 lineup. What's it going to look like? Now, you, I, I did not see the article because I woke up just in time Hello. to leave and come home, come home, come to press box and uh, do the show today. But apparently, Rockabaco put out his if he had to project the Orioles opening day lineup right now which he doesn't, but he did it. He, this is his lineup. And apparently a lot of people had something to say about it. Uh, so, Zach, why don't you give me Rock's lineup and a little bit of a backstory here. All right, so he has Austin Hayes leading off in center field, Freddie Galvis batting second at short, Anthony Santander batting third in right field, Ryan Malcastle batting cleanup in left field, Trey Mancini batting fifth at first base, DJ Stewart batting sixth at DH, Pedro Severino batting seventh at catcher, Rio Ruiz eighth at third base, and then Yolmer Sanchez batting ninth at second base, it, it makes a little bit of sense, most of this lineup. Um, you know, Freddie Galvis, I don't really see as a number two hitter. I'm always in the camp that you're number two and you're number three hitters. Those are your best hitters, obviously. It makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. I'd put Trey Mancini at number two. That's, I would, that's, too. I that's would where too. I would go. Anthony Santander, I think it makes sense at number three. Ryan Malcastle makes sense at number four. But then you get to the one spot and the leadoff spot. It's Austin Hayes. He has it penciled in. It makes a lot of sense. You know, Hayes is a guy who... He's a good hitter. He's a really solid hitter, but he struggles in the leadoff spot. He doesn't walk, and he struggles in the leadoff spot. He was so much better in the 7 or 8 hole last year than he was in the leadoff spot. So maybe you could put Trey Mancini there. I'd like to get your thoughts on that, but it's possible. So Austin Hayes, for me, I think he felt the pressure of having to be the table setter. Yeah, exactly. exactly. In that leadoff spot. When he got moved down in the lineup, you kind of saw a weight lifted off his shoulders. And, yep. and he was. You also have to keep in mind that he played a large portion of the first half of the first half of a sixty-game season um, with broken ribs. Right. You know, so he he missed he missed like a month with, with those broken ribs. When he came back healthy, he tore the cover off the ball again, and which we kind of expected at the beginning. Yeah, really. and you're you're looking at is Austin Hayes the guy that we saw in at the end of July, the first half of August. Or is Austin Hayes a guy that we've seen each of the last two Septembers? The guy who was a top five finalist for minor league player of the year in his first full season at the minor league level. I mean, this is still the first draft pick from the 2016 class to reach the major leagues. So uh, if Austin Hayes is the guy that we saw each of the last two Septembers, I'm fine with having him at the top of the order. He's got speed. Uh, he, he can hit. He, uh, the on-base skills need a little bit of work, but I'm fine having him. At, the Orioles don't have a true leadoff hitter on this team right now. 
You could have made the argument last year that it was Hunter Alberto, but he didn't get on base either. The Orioles don't have that guy at the Major League level right now, so it's got to be somebody. So almost by default, it has to be Austin Hayes. It has to be. I think Yomer Sanchez has the possibility to play himself into that spot. He's not a really, you know, he's, he's not a great hitter. He's known for his glove. He won a gold glove two years ago. That's what he's known for. But I think there's a possibility with his speed he could move himself into that spot if he plays well enough. He has to, he has to perform. And I'm sure that Brandon Hyde will try out multiple uh, different configurations in spring training and then as well in the regular season. Oh, they, they, you're not going to have a set lineup right. with this team. You're, and honestly, I wouldn't bat Santander third. I'd bat him fifth because okay. you want a guy who can get on base, batting batting third. And his, his on base percentage, I think his on base percentage last year was three fifteen, and that was a career yeah, high. Very, I think it was in low. the two nineties the year before that. So Santander's not an on base machine. He's got great power. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark to all fields. He's a he's a very good baseball player. He's more of a five hitter to me than the number three hitter. I want I want somebody who's going to get on base batting third. I'd, I'd bat Mountcastle third. Yeah, not a big walker either. But, a, a guy, but, it, but he, it was better this year. His own yeah. base percentage was in the 380s yep. this past year. Hit over three, well over 300. He's got the power. It's either Mancini or Mountcastle batting third, and then Mancini yep. or Mountcastle batting fourth. I'm batting Anthony Santander fifth, but I'm not the manager, and I can almost guarantee you Santander will be batting third on opening day. So, so where would you bat Freddie Galvis? Because Rock has him at second, but I think that's way too high for him. You know, he's a, he's a power hitter. He strikes out a lot, doesn't walk a lot. I think seven, eight. Really, I, I think are the two positions that make sense for him, especially if you keep Yolmer well, Sanchez at you're nine. G- well, you're going to be batting Severino, probably sixth. Yeah, right. And then you're going to be batting. Um, well, actually, were. Rock has DJ Stewart at sixth, and then I, see, Severino I, I see, seventh. They're interchangeable. Yeah, at, at six and seven, Rio Ruiz is not hitting higher than the eighth, than eighth yeah. in this lineup. Yolmer Sanchez is a perfect nine hit. He's the guy that bats ninth in a major league lineup. He's he's your second baseman. He is gonna. He kind of slaps the ball around. He's gonna get on base, maybe at a three twenty clip. He's gonna bat about two fifty. He's a nine hitter. He's a nine hitter. So by default, Freddie Galvis is gonna be batting second. As, as by default, uh, when when you told me about Rock having him batting second, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. But again, we're talking about what other options do you have? If if he's not batting second. Where is he batting, and who is batting second? Because if they want Trey Mancini, Trey Mancini is your ideal two hitter, but they want Trey Mancini in a part of the, in the spot in the lineup where he's driving in runs. Yeah, and there are guys in this lineup like DJ Stewart and Rio Ruiz. You have to keep at the bottom, so that almost DJ Stewart's actually a great candidate you to would bat second because okay. because he gets on base. He does walk a lot. He, he batted like 198 this past year. Yeah. But his own base percentage was like 355. He yeah, gets on base. Chance, Chance Cisco is another guy who can get who can get on base. But again, he's a backup catcher. So unless you're DHing him, or he's ha- happens to be playing that day, I could see DJ Stewart batting second. He's he's a big OBP guy. You want your best OBP guys at the top of the lineup. You want them getting on base. That, yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. I mean, DJ Stewart still has to prove a lot to me to prove that he is a starter in this league. I still don't think he is. I think there's better options. And I'm not sure he even lasts through the, you know, throughout the entire 2021 season as the Orioles starting DH. I'm sure someone else might take a spot. But he's, for right now, he's penciled in instead of Renato Nunez, who isn't here anymore. So 
you know, it, it's it's he's a guy who you could definitely bat in the two hole. I think that makes a little bit of sense with that with that on base percentage for sure. Yeah, you you want somebody that can get on base in the two hole, and that's that's DJ Stewart. Now, and if he comes out and you know hits two fifty, that's a three seventy five on base percentage for DJ Stewart, and that's that's a good two a two hitter. It's not your best, yeah, but it's somebody who gets on base and maybe can score some runs for you. And he's he's got sneaky speed. He's got sneaky speed. He, he's um. We, we, we see him out in the outfield, and we have to laugh at how bad he's been. I don't think he's as bad an outfielder as he's shown. Um, but he, he stole 20 bags in the minors. He stole 20 bags at, at, at Florida State. He's got sneaky speed. DJ Stewart's an athlete. So I, I think he's a, he's a good choice to bat second. Speaking of Renato Nunez, how is he not signed with the Tampa Bay Rays yet? Doesn't got, it, they need a bat. They do, need a bat for doesn't sure. Doesn't that seem like the perfect destination for a guy like Renato Nunez? A guy who's going to hit 250 but hit 30 home runs? Well, like, like, a Hunter, got, like a Hunter Renfro. Right, who's now with the Red Sox. Yeah. Renato Nunez has Tampa Bay Rays written across his forehead. That is the player that they go after, and the fact that he he is still out there kind of blows my mind. I, I really think that that's the team he ends up with, and that's my segue to the payoff pitch around the league. Um, Yankees. Let's start in the American League East. The Yankees, they signed DJ LeMahieu. They re-signed him to a six-year, what was it, $120 million contract? I think it was $90 million, but I'll check on that. Yeah, so they they re-signed DJ LeMahieu. Uh, you're right, it was six years, $90 million. Yeah. Six years, because you get him $15 million a year. Uh, they signed Corey Kluber, one year, $11 million. Uh, Darren O'Day. Darren O'Day signed I was very him. sad to see this. Yeah, I, I was too. But the Orioles aren't aren't in contention, so I want to see Darren O'Day and Zach Britton have success. You know what I mean? I, I, this Chapman, give up all the home runs in the world, man. I hope your ERA is around five and a half. You're a piece of crap. You're you're a scumbag. But I want to see Darren O'Day and and Zach Britton have success and have a chance to win. So I I don't mind the signing as much as other people do. Uh, the Yankees they also traded for Jamison Tyone. They traded Adam Ottavino to the Red Sox for cash considerations or a player to be named later. First trade with the Red Sox since 2014. Now they're losing Jay Happ, uh, James Paxton, and Masahiro Tanaka. Domingo Herman should be in the rotation to start the season. Although he had a bad Dominican Winter League. He he started out hot. His first two p- appearances, people were talking about how great he looked, but he finished that year in five starts with a seven sixteen ERA and a one point five nine WHIP. Did strike out eighteen and sixteen innings. But the reason I'm talking about this, and Luis Severino should be back at some point. But the reason that I'm talking about this is uh, the Blue Jays made a lot of moves. The Yankees' weakness is their starting rotation. They have Garrett Cole, and then who else? Right, so Garrett Cole, you have a, a Corey Kluber who's been injured the last two years. Jamison Tyon, who still hasn't quite figured out, he's had two Tommy John surgeries. Are the Yankees? The t- I I feel like the Rays have taken a significant step back. You don't have Charlie Morton anymore. You don't have Blake Snell. You lost Hunter Renfro. Your offense is a question mark. You have Randy Rosarena. You're probably gonna have Wander Franco debut this year. Yep. But. They, I say this about the Rays every year. Every year I think that the Rays are going to have a fall-off because I just don't see a strength on their team. And then they come out and they win 90 freaking games. It's, it's, so you have to kind of put them up there. But the Yankees, and people are talking about the Blue Jays being the team to beat. George Springer signed there. They signed Marcus Simeon to that one-year deal. But they don't have any pitching either. So American League East is going to be competitive, but who's the team in this division? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the Blue Jays right now. I mean, they still have to add to that rotation. It's still not very good. But as as far as the Rays go, everyone loves the Rays model. Everyone always, you know, it's it's the new 
Moneyball model from the Oakland A's. It's the new thing now. Everyone wants to be the Rays. Everyone wants to trade away your best player, sell high. That's like the new thing going around MLB. And it makes sense a little bit, but you got to also replace them. And it doesn't look like the Rays have done that yet. I mean, Blake Snell and Charlie Morton are huge pieces of that mm-hmm. team that are now gone. How are you going to replace them? You have Tyler Glass now, but he's always injured. I mean, you have Brent Honeywell maybe coming up. I mean, it, Yarborough. It's, Yarborough. Now, you added Luis Patino in that, in that Blake yep. Snell trade. And he, he, he's a solid arm. and still, uh, still a little bit far off from being an ace, though. Yeah, and but the Rays will turn him into one. Oh, I'm sure they the will. The Rays <laughs> will absolutely turn him into one. I'm sure they will, yeah. It, so, that, it's true. Look, the Rays are oh, It's so weird to me that they stick around. It's yeah. because I look at their roster and I and I always think they have a weak roster. And then again, they just played in the freaking World Series. When I saw that team at the beginning of the year, I didn't think World Series for them. And then in October, there they are playing the Dodgers in the World Series and giving them a run for their money. That that team, they have such great talent in their pipeline. They manage they get the most out of all of their players specifically pitchers. You can't count them out. Yeah, I, I agree. Every time I do, they make me look like a fool. Uh, the Yankees, for all the players that they had, the fans acting like, oh, DJ LeMay, who puts us over the top. You had him the last two years. Right, and, and still had one of the worst losing streaks over the entire 2020 season. They basically put themselves into a terrible position come playoff time. Still made the playoffs. Still, still made the playoffs. But well, it, they lost, what, like 13 games in a row? Yeah, or? it was something really bad like that. They they were awful for a good stretch of that. And Yankee fans were, were livid. They were very, very upset. But as far as the Yankees go, too, Domingo Herman is a guy who said he was going to retire like a year ago. Well, that's because he, he, beat, up, <laughs> he, he beat up his girl. Friend, yeah. and then they suspended him, and for, I, he must not have thought that was fair. He must have thought like, oh, oh, it's okay that I hit women. So I'm, I'm not sure you can count on him either. He's not a guy that is immediately going to come in. You're going to say, okay, this is this is one of our five. You just, I'm not sure you can do that either. But they they still have to sign some pitching, like you said. Paxton's a big loss. Tanaka is a huge loss. Tanaka for most. Uh, for really all of last season, was their ace. That that was the ace, in my opinion, at least. So yeah, they're going to definitely have to get healthier and add some pieces. Yeah, it's it's. I'm I was shocked to learn that Tanaka was going back to pitch in Japan. Yeah, you would have thought that guy would have been a 15 year veteran in 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 the majors. He pitched seven years for the Yankees, and now he's gone. I I I the Yankees need starting pitching. How do you not keep Masahiro Tanaka? I don't understand. It's the only major league team he's ever known. If it's between the Yankees and going, and maybe he said, you know what. I've done what I wanted to do. I lived my dream of playing in the majors. I want to go home. He could have. Maybe that's exactly what he said. And the Yankees never had a shot at keeping him. Maybe that's what happened. You you never know what happens behind closed doors. But um, now moving on. Red Sox, where are they? Where are they in this division? Okay, so the, they're getting sale back by midsummer probably. Eduardo Rodriguez will be back. Nathan Evaldi was solid. He was sneaky solid because. He had a sub. He had like a three seven two ERA, but against the Orioles, he made three starts against the Orioles this year. Three and 0.95 ERA, two earned runs, eighteen strikeouts in nineteen innings. Great numbers against the Orioles. Against the against everybody else, one and two, five five two ERA and six starts. Nathan Navaldi, is he a great pitcher? Is he a good pitcher, or is he just good against the Orioles? I think he's just good against the Orioles. I, I don't think he's a great pitcher. Not yet. He could become one, maybe, if he, if he he's keeps been, getting better. He's, he's been, been around, around he's been for around. a long time. I believe he's 27, 28 years old. He, he's been around for a little while. But he does, he throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, and that's pretty rare for a starter. Chris Sale does it, too. But 
the Orioles couldn't catch up to it. I think that was the simple reason that he was so good against the Orioles last year. But I don't think he's a guy you're going to count on in, you know, if, if you're in, in game seven of the World Series, you're not going to want to send that guy out there to, to, to try to win you a game. I mean, Chris Sale is on a whole other level. But I don't think the Red Sox team as a whole is that great. I'm not really sure whether they're trying to compete or rebuild because the farm system isn't very good. It's really not. Oh, they they had zero good. top 100 prospects. Yeah, this year actually too. Yeah, that, that's wow. a, yeah, th- th- zero. Yeah, it, their, their farm system outside of Jeter Downs is a pretty solid player, but they went out in the. You know what? I, I think D, I think they have one. I think they Jeter won. Downs was okay. In there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it, this is not a team where I see a clear direction. They they trade for Adam Ottavino, but then it they just, added Garrett Richards, and they added Garrett Richards, who's okay. But I'm not really sure this team is able to make a playoff run, especially with the talent in the other parts of the division right now. I just don't really see the Red Sox being more than a 75-win team. I don't really see it. People acted like signing Kike Hernandez was like oh, it, like the biggest deal. It's Kike Hernandez, guys. Like The Dodgers utility man. Yeah. Like, he was good in the playoffs. I'll say that. Yeah, the, yeah they, they won a World Series. He, he had three hits and like six RBIs on opening yeah. day last year. And then did nothing the rest of the year. Like he had a good okay, that's not true. He had a good first week of the season. Kike Hernandez is not like the woo, we got him. It's Kike Hernandez. You would have thought they'd like sign Garrett Cole or something. Yeah, <laughs> like Kike the, Hernandez. Like, oh, oh, they got him. Uh, cool guys. Y- yeah. You got Brock Holt 2.0. Like, okay, cool. Man, I thought we were gonna have way more time. To talk to talk about know, stuff. Runs, runs out quick. It runs out quick when we because I mean it, it's so much. We're having so much fun talking about this about this stuff. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Nolan Arenado. Yeah. The the Rockies. Tri- How do you sign a guy to an eight year, two hundred plus million dollar contract extension and trade him two years later? How do you sign him and then the next, literally the very next season, the following off season after you sign him, you put him on the trade block? Why would you sign him to begin with? Just let him walk. Yeah, I, I question both sides here because Nolan Arenado. No, let, let, let me stop. Okay, you don't let him walk. You don't let him walk. But why not trade him back then? Because you got to get something for him. And, and and not only that, you have to, now you're also giving the Cardinals fifty million dollars on top of giving them the best player in the history of your franchise. Yeah, I mean that's just it. it it's a huge contract. They're going to owe him one hundred ninety million dollars, which is absolutely insane. And teams don't want to take on one hundred ninety million dollars. That could put them over the luxury tax. I mean, it's a very, very difficult contract to take on. As good as Arenado is, he's a top ten player in baseball when he's healthy, when he's playing well. But it's 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 kind of odd. You sign a guy to extension, he wants out, but he signed an extension. That's a little bit confusing to me. He he'd been made it very clear that he was not happy with Rockies management. Yet he signed an eight-year extension a couple years ago. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He signed the eight-year extension before he made it known that he wasn't happy. He, but was, uh, he might not have been happy he, back he, then. We he, don't know. He signed the extension after the Rockies, I think, had made like the playoffs like two years in a row. They, were, they had Charlie, fair enough, they fair had Charlie Blackman, um, Trevor Story, yeah. and it looked like they were the next up-and-coming team, and they, they were exciting. So he signed that extension because he liked the direction of the franchise. And then... The direction of the franchise takes a nosedive. They did nothing yeah. to add. They, they they won't sign starting pitch. It, it, it blows my mind that the biggest problem for the Colorado Rockies throughout the entire history of their franchise, going back to 1993, they have never had quality starting pitching. Ever. You have offenses at the top of baseball every year for almost 30 years, and you never have quality. I get it that you're going to have to overpay 
to get people to want to pitch in Colorado. Right. It, it, I, nobody I wants to that. pitch in course. But you don't even develop yeah. quality starting pitching. And then the one player that you develop, okay, Trevor Story too, but Trevor Story's going to be a free agent next year. Yep. He's another shortstop that can be looked at. You develop players to lose them, and you don't have any pitching. What is happening? No, Nobody talks about how poorly run the Rockies are, but they're not run great. Not at all, no. And, and the way I look at things, too, is that we all remember the Orioles trade with the Rockies this summer. Michael Givens went over to the Rockies. We had a Rockies reporter on, and he said they were expecting to compete. They wanted to make a playoff run. At the end of last season, it didn't happen, obviously. But this is a team that's kind of stuck right now. They have Givens. They have Story. They have some of these higher-priced guys on their team that now they're probably going to have to deal off. You can't keep Trevor Story and let him walk next year. You, you simply can't do that. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to deal him for someone else, too. Uh, or sign him to a contract extension and trade him two years later. Well, that that, <laughs> that seems maybe likely, but uh, it's it's an interesting. It's it's not a very well run team, and the prospects they got back were just not very good. The, the top ranked prospect, as far as MLB pipeline goes, was number nine on the Cardinals list, which is just not very high. I guess they look at this as more of a salary dump. Please, Nolan Arenado. Maybe that's what they wanted to do, but. Taron Vavra was about number nine when he came over to the Orioles from the Rocky system. For Michael Givens. For Michael Givens. So they, maybe they just replaced Taron Vavra a little bit. or so. I, I don't know. It wasn't a it's, great deal it, for them. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me other than wanting to get out. For, and again, this is what um, Dan Connolly and what Stan said. A lot of teams are bleeding right now. A lot of teams are bleeding. So they're, they're trying to cut costs everywhere. So it makes sense from that standpoint. But it doesn't make sense from the standpoint that you've been talking about trading Nolan Arenado for two years now after signing him to that huge contract extension. Why sign him in the first place? Especially, it's an untrade. It's almost an untradeable contract unless you eat a giant portion of it, which is what they ended up having to do. Cardinals fans, Cardinals themselves are happy. That, talk about a well-run organization. Oh yeah, they seem to be in the playoffs every year. They've won eleven World Titles, and they're they're going to be back there this year. I don't agree with Stan that the Cardinals are now on the same level as. The Dodgers and the Padres, both of those teams have. I mean, you have you have Goldschmidt, you have Arenado. You're probably bringing back Molina, but that's really it. The rest, of the, the those other teams have far more talent in their lineups and far more talent in their starting rotation. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I, I think the. That went into the Rockies' decision, too, a little bit. I think they looked at the Dodgers and the Padres, and they said, there's literally no way we can compete with this. There is no talent level that we can have that would ever get us up to the level of the Padres and the Dodgers. The NL, especially the NL West, is going to be an extremely hard division to win if you're not the Padres or not the Dodgers. So maybe that factored into the Rockies' decision a little bit. Uh, but as far as the Cardinals go, I agree with you. I don't think they're on that level either. They're more on the Yankees level of the NL, maybe, where the Yankees are on the, the AL. One of the top teams, but not quite the top tier. Yeah, and but the, the thing about the Cardinals is you could close your eyes and open them, and boom, they're, they're playing in the World Series. Easy, they, easy. They, they have a good team. They're always in it. They, 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 again, they seem to go to the playoffs every year. They're very well run. I would not be shocked at all to just see the Cardinals in the World Series. It, it, it sometimes a team just just get it's like the Royals in 2014 yeah. where they came out of nowhere and just got got on the hot streak and beat everybody it, beat teams like like the Angels who won 98 games that year the Orioles have won 96 games that year the A's they beat these teams that they have no business beating and then they end up in the World Series and I I can see that happening with the Cardinals before we get to our final break which is coming late in the show sorry guys. Um, Didi Gregorius just signed for two years, $28 million with the Philadelphia Phillies. 
Um, this is a guy who has links to Baltimore because of his work with Johns Hopkins. Um, so part of me in the back of my mind thought, well, it would be a perfect pairing if he works with Johns Hopkins. He could come to the Orioles. The Orioles weren't going to give him two years, $28 million. That wasn't going to happen. So I, I, I kind of assumed when the market kind of dried up after all the other guys signed that he was going to end up back with Philly because they need a, they need a shortstop, and that's where D.D. Gregorius goes. So. I'm actually a big D.D. fan. I think he's I like, a, it. I like I, him, I too. I think he's a really underrated player. $14 million a year is a lot. That's a lot. And the Phillies just paid out a massive contract to Real Muto. So they're you know going to be tied up in payroll a little bit. But With, and not to mention, 13 years, $330 million for Bryce Harper two right, years exa- ago. Exactly. They, they, they're spending a lot of money and not really seeing the results. But they had to have him. There was really, really no other great shortstop on the market for them to get, and they really needed one. Well, that team needs they, – they need to contend. You don't make an investment in Bryce Harper – you don't make an investment in JT Real Muto and then go out and win 80 games this year. You can't do it. Right. You, they 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 were 28 and 32 in in 2020. They missed the playoffs again. You signed Bryce Harper, who by the way, I love Bryce Harper. I think he's a great baseball player. 380 385 OBP in in Philly, great numbers. You got to do better than 262. You got to you're making 330 million dollars over 13 years. You need to be hitting 362, not 262. Three, okay, but you need to be hitting around 300. If you hit 290 with 30 homers and 100 RBIs and you get on base with a 400 clip, you're earning your contract. 262, Bryce Harper's got to stop. He's better than that. Yeah, I, I, the way I look at it, there's one player worth more than $300, uh, $300, million, $300 million, and that's Mike Trout. There's one player worth that much money, and it's him. But Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, I don't think they'll ever live up to the contracts they've gotten. Manny was second Manny, MVP. Manny might, Manny might, but you have to really, really, really tear the cover off the ball to be worth that much money in my eyes. It, it's a lot of money for these teams to throw out. And a lot of times these players, they sign these big contracts, and the, the team signs them to the contract knowing the last half of this deal, they're not going to be as good. Like they're, Albert they're, Pujols. They're, they're, they're signing you for what you can do for them for five years. They're giving you a 10-year contract for what you can do for them for five years. Guys, we've really got to get a break. Um, We're going to get a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to close this thing out. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Glory Days Grill Fall Winter Seasonal Menu is now available for dine-in, dine-out, on the patio, or to-go. It's a new season, so enjoy new flavors. Try their new shrimp appetizers, homemade meatloaf, impossible cheesesteaks, and more. They're open from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. Visit glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. From the Glory Days Grill family, stay healthy and positive during this challenging time in our community. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit DEIWC.com. Get the fresh start you deserve. 
It's a new year. It's a new you. In the U.S. Army, you will acquire the skills and experiences that will prepare you for a long and successful career. There are more than 150 career fields to help you find the right fit for your future. Become a stronger and more successful individual that you and your family can be proud of. Explore all the ways to serve. To request more information, text AQWP to Go Army or 462-769. Hey, Dad, can we try one of those hoagie things? <sighs> Sorry, son. We aren't hoagie people. What do you mean? Son, we're Royal Farms sub people, like my daddy was and his daddy before him, like you and me and all the folks we know. Gee, Dad, I never thought about it like that. So you're saying hoagie people are... Aliens, son. They're aliens. Royal Farm Subs are Baltimore's best. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Brett the Hitman Hart. Good to be on the show. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. Broken Matt Hardy. Excellent. The bad guy, Scott Hall. Hey, yo. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le champion! Chris Jericho. Le champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Alright, welcome back to the Battle Round, coming to you from Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Running a little long today. It's funny, Zach and I were just talking. We run long every week. I say this every week. We're running a little long today. We run long every week. But there's no programming on after us uh, from PressBox, so I think it's a little... I think it's okay. Um, Zach and I were just talking about this during during the break. We were so nervous uh, about what we were going to talk about this offseason. And we've... I mean, we're... we're just over two weeks away from spring training, where we're going to have so much to talk about. Home stretch, you know, we're in the home stretch now. You know, we're about to we're about to embark on basically seven straight months of something like a lot of stuff to talk about, and we we made it through. And guys, I didn't even get to ha- even half of my notes for what we we're going to talk about regarding going uh, looking around the league. It's we love talking baseball. It's so much fun for us. It's it's a pleasure to get to do it, to have an audience that's willing to listen to us. It's this is why we do what we do. We we love doing it. We love talking baseball. And we're just we're so excited for this upcoming season to get to talk more baseball with you all. And we're just really enthusiastic that we got a got an opportunity today to give an extended our extended opinions about things. It's just this is what we love doing, and we're so glad that you all afford us the opportunity to do it. So thank you to our listeners for giving us the opportunity to talk about what we love. Uh, also, if you want to hear two other guys talk about what they love, every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via PressBox's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR this week. The guys caught up with Morgan Cox, Brandon Stokely, Mike Bordick, Rick Dempsey, and much more. Find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review 
feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn always has great shows. He always has great guests. He has phenomenal guests. I, I see some of his shows uh, weekly, and they're, they're incredible. Oh, he, he has really great guests. Glenn's the reason that we get, like, I, I have contacts. I, I, I pretty much have contacts for anybody that we could talk to in, in Baltimore. But the guys that we talk to, like us talking to Buck Martinez, us, us talking to um, Jonathan Mayo a, few, uh, a couple of months ago, that's all Glenn. Glenn has contacts out the wazoo. Extensive network. Yeah. He is a massive for, network. And he's been a huge help for us with this program and getting us these guests. Now, he gives me the numbers. I have to procure the guests, but he's the reason I'm able to do it. So thank you to Glenn Clark as well for uh, giving us that opportunity. Man, great show today, Zach. was a great show. A lot of fun talking baseball with you today. Uh, guys, we don't have any Ravens to talk about, and I, I think I need a break from them anyway right now. So... That's going to do it for us here on the payoff pitch. Again, stay healthy. You know, wear your masks, everybody. Stay warm. Stay inside. We got a lot of snow coming in the next three days. So, everybody, just stay warm, stay healthy, and stay safe. And we'll see you next week. See ya.